What's going on guys and welcome back. We saw the biggest nerf happen to Marvel Snap's meta. Today we're going to be talking about the top 10 cards. We have a special guest to do so. We're also going to be talking about the winners and losers of the latest patch. A lot more change than you might have thought. We're going to talk about all that and more on today's episode of the Snapchat. And I am joined by Mr. Alex as always. Happy episode 21. We knew it would be a crazy week. We got a roadmap. We got all the balance patch. Things have shifted massively. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, Cozy. It's always fantastic when a new meta is upon us. These patch changes have the opportunity to completely shake things up. And I know that there are some people out there that are still a little disappointed that, you know, Shuri here right in the middle, still punching us directly in the throat on a near constant basis. But the meta has been shifted. Things have changed. I think Thanos is in a different spot right now. And overall, I think this is an exciting time to be a Marvel Snap player. Anytime you have the opportunity to experiment with new cards rising and falling, it's a good time to be a Marvel Snap player. Yeah, right. So it's not as obvious when there's not buffs, you know, cards that went up in value or in down. But actually, I, I think a lot more we had more winners and losers than you would think. And, and that's why I'm excited to talk about it today. And then also just talking about the new kind of hierarchy of the snap cards. We have a special guest today in K and Best. excited to welcome him in on your side of the channel. What are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about the hottest upcoming cards. There's a few cards that are really going to be bangers. They are completely awesome, and I can't wait to actually get my hands on them like most people. Uh, we're also going to talk about the roadmap. We received a brand new roadmap for 2023, and there are so many things on there that are just remarkable. We've got to talk about it. And finally, what I think is near and dear to the heart of many people is the token shop overhaul. The token shop has been changed, and I think that card acquisition is a major deal for people out there. And is it better? Well, we're going to discuss it. Alex, one of the greatest things happened to me the other day. We were, I was going to, uh, I was finally upgrading my phone. Haven't upgraded my phone in a long time. I play Snap on it. It's pretty much, I'm on it all the time with Snap. So I go and, and I'm upgrading it. And as the lady looks at me in the eyes and she says, you're going to lose service for about 30 minutes as they merge. And I was like, no problem. Nothing's happening today. Boom. Marvel Snap roadmap. Phone shuts off. I was like, it's over. I have no idea what's happening. It was such a shock and crazy when it did drop, and that is just Marvel Snap. They drop things randomly all the time, so I'm excited to talk about the roadmap. But Alex, we do have a special guest today, and I want to introduce him. We're going to bring him in right now. KM Best, a top player since the beta days. KM, it's good to have you here, bud. It's great to be here. I did not know I was the first guest that has ever been on this podcast. That is, I learned that right now. You are. I had no idea. You are the first. We had Molt uh, when Alex was sick, uh, but you are the first with us two, man. And it's long awaited. We've been wanting to, to have a guest here, and I couldn't think of a more perfect person to have. We're going to jump into the top 10 cards. We're all going to say our favorite, and then we can kind of stand by our points here. And uh, it was, I don't know about you guys. It's tough putting only 10. There's like a lot of honorable mentions now. Yeah, absolutely. There's tons of honorable mentions. Like I can make another 20 list that I could easily, you ask me this question tomorrow, my list might be slightly different. It's crazy how hard it is to isolate 10 cards in order. No matter what we put, yeah. we're going to get roasted KM. I want to do my disclaimer first so no one roasts me. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got a disclaimer here. These are just the cards. I, I will say, I think my list, you know, I, I do stand by it. I do think it might be a little biased by things I want to happen rather than things that will by definition happen. I also worry... It might be a little bit chalk. There might be a lot of the cards you're expecting on it. 
But I do think that the discussion of this, the explication on why these cards are on our lists is what's going to be most useful to people. Yeah, it's always the catch-22 of doing early impressions. You know, we want to try to get out early thoughts of, of what you should be playing. But at the same time, it's been 24 hours, guys. Like, obviously, we, we, we need things to settle in. These are our initial thoughts, initial testing. And of course, things will kind of settle. Meta takes time, especially to see things rise up rather than fall out. And that usually takes a lot of testing. And I know we all... Uh, I'll do that a good amount. Well, let's go to start off. And Alex, we'll start with you. Go to KM and then myself. And we're going to start with number 10. Best card in Snap currently. For me, number 10 is Chavez. Chavez, KM. I have Cosmo. And I'm going to go with Galactus, which I think might be a little low for some people. Some people might be surprised by himself. Let's start with Chavez. KM, I get it. I I, I get the, the Chavez pick because she always thins out the deck. I feel like right now, deck thinning isn't as important for me in a lot of my decks and that's why i don't have her there but she's definitely a, a great card i understand it what are your thoughts i think it's very hard to go wrong with her yeah well i guess that's not true actually it's very easy to go wrong with chavez you just put her in a deck where you actually want to draw something specific on the sixth turn of the game but like she does always have her role i think in terms of making sure that you're more likely to draw your linchpin cards one of my big pipe dreams something that i've always wanted to make work is dracula in sarah so i can run chavez to draw sarah more i have tried to make that work since the beta it has never actually panned out but i know for a fact i will try to make that work during this patch. I will do it. I will try to make that happen. I like it, Alex. I like American Chavez and Bass decks the most recently, but just because you got that safe pick at nine, you can do everything else at three. That's where I think she's been fitting in for myself. Uh, what about you, Alex? Where do you use her? Why do you have her at 10? I mean, you know, she's one of my favorite cards in the game, just from like a pure fun factor. I use her in almost everything. Uh, I mean, she combos so well. She allows me to like pull that Zabu early when I want it. She allows me to uh, get the cards I want earlier. She gives me consistent plays on turn six, even though in theory, when you play her on turn six, it sometimes feels awful, right? That's not really why she's in the list. But the key reason why I have her in my top 10 is because there's two cards that thin decks. You have Chavez, who's in my top 10, and you have Angel. And uh, let's not talk about Angel today. Is Angel in your top 10? Yeah, I was going to ask if Angel's in the, uh, the top yes. 10 there. But KM, you picked, was it Cosmo? I did. Okay, tell me your reason behind Cosmo. I think that with the lack of changes to Shuri, Cosmo is going to be the most safe way to make your giant Red Skull win the lanes that he's going to be in. Now, Cosmo is has always been a card that for me felt a little bit uninteractive. There's no way to like do anything about a Cosmo once you play it, right? right? So, you know, people are going to be trying Shang-Chi. I put Cosmo over armor here because I think Cosmo just has this this sort of fringe ability to just shut down so many things. He just gets things done. Uh, one of the best cards in the game, in my opinion, and kind of always has been. Like, I have just the, the most respect for Cosmo in the entire world. All respect to my dog, King. It feels like, to me, the thing with Cosmo is he's the most punishing if you don't have him in, right? If you, if you don't have Shang-Chi, you can find a way around it sometimes. With Cosmo, if they're playing an X deck, let's say Wong, whatever it might be, you sometimes you're, just, you're screwed. Alex, did you have anything on Cosmo? I was going to say I love Cosmo as a card. I think that it's one of those cards like a lot of people complain about, but I think it's perfectly balanced. I love Cosmo because like you have to play around it yourself. It is in, like its power level is just fine. Three, three. I it feels fair, but its impact on the game state is immense. And I think that like it is such a great card because you have to play around it yourself because you could screw yourself if you misplay Cosmo. We've all been there. Right. I think it's a high skill cap card that I actually enjoy, but I do see the argument that like it can be a little like too much for the game sometimes, especially when you have like these beautiful ongoing, not ongoing, sorry, on reveal effects 
And then Kyle's just like, nope, you get, you can't do that no more. I can feel bad. I, I just want a Magneto yeah. that isn't a Magneto cost. I want a way to move. Like, I, I think you were a lit, you were just, like a way to like, there's times I've done a wave Magneto just to get the Cosmo away. Like it, it's, yes. it's, 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 there's, yeah. there's no way. And that's my only issue with Cosmo at the moment is there's no easy. Yeah. You can't jug them. You can't, you know, no. uh, there's the, all the displacement effects are on reveal gentlemen. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the like, bit, biggest issue. I, I think that is a really good point. When I was testing, one of the things that I noticed with all my Darkhawk decks is they had no real way to interact with a big red skull in a Cosmo lane, right? And so we actually had Wave Magneto in the Darkhawk deck to get rid of the Cosmo. If there was just anything that could do that, I wouldn't have him on this list. Just any sort of way for me to be like, no, 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 the Cosmo's over here now. Yeah. I think that would be super awesome. Give me a 4-6 Polaris that pulls a 3-drop. Just just anything. Exactly. It's like you almost want to run an Invisible Woman just to bait them to think you're doing a combo there, so they Cosmo, and then you have a way to do other things. It's like, it's, it's, it's five head to the max. We'll talk Galactus. That was my pick later. I'm sure he might appear later on the list. Let's go to go to number nine, gentlemen, and uh, I'll kick it off. My number nine best card in the game right now is... is it's got to be Sunspot. And I'll also say my most shocked didn't get any type of nerf hammer hitting him at number nine. KM, what's yours? This one is going to be spicy for me. This okay. is the spiciest pick of my entire list. I have Valkyrie at number Ooh, nine. I like it. I, I love it. We'll get to that in a moment. Alex? I'm going with Lizard. That right there is Phenomenal. awesome. That is like... Phenomenal. The disres Not the disrespect Lizard gets... It's, it's the fact that we all have Lizard in pretty much the majority of our decks and we just don't put him in the top 10 list, right? I almost like that better than Sunspot for the priority game. Let's start with Lizard, Alex. Kind of let's, let's hear your case on it. I feel like this game, especially with like a card like Negasonic coming out and others, um, it's all about priority. There's so much benefit to maintaining priority, and Blizzard does that. And if you lose priority because they've gone four wide into Blizzard, then like the uh, Blizzard, Lizard. If they go four wide into a Lizard, then it's done its job. You know what I mean? Like, how many times do you get to play Lizard in a in a capacity that simply forces your opponent to have to answer it? And if there's a lane where they're not going to commit four, it's a two five. That's ridiculous. Polaris, we love Polaris, not even for the effect all the time, but just for the power, and it's a 3-5. There's too much to love about Lizard. By the time they've done the job of getting rid of the fourth, Lizard's done his job. By the time they were able to take away what he does, I am curious, though, because of the arrow nerf, a lot of the reasons I played Lizard, not all of them, but for that priority was to set me up for what I was going to control with arrow later on and things like that. So will I adjust? Probably it's still just such a good drop, and I don't know... The only thing I can imagine to fix Lizard is just make it more punishing if he has four on the lane. Like, you really nuke down, like, what he does. But he's a tough card to balance. KM, what are your thoughts on Lizard? Phenomenal. That's the best two-cost card in the game. I do think you raise an interesting point with the lack of arrow, meaning there's less payoff for priority decks right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an interesting state for the game to be in, right? Like, if yeah. it also just... You know, if there's less payoff for priority decks right now, what are the payoffs for priority decks? Is Negasonic the best priority payoff in the game right now? That right. can't be right. Yeah, right. like there's no way. Exactly. It's interesting. And, and KM, I know you know this. That has been, and, and Alex, obviously, it, it's always been priority. That was That's what it's always been. And, and Aero led a lot of that charge. So it's going to be very interesting to see. And I'm actually kind of down for it. I wouldn't mind if it just isn't just a priority slap all the time. But uh, yeah, definitely like the lizard pick. Valkyrie, though, you have two Valkyrie lovers on each side of you, KM. We're going to give you the floor. Talk about her. So one of the major 
things I expect is I'm thinking this patch might be finally when people give up on trying to play Sauron in their Shuri decks, which means armor's everywhere, Cosmo's everywhere. Valkyrie does not answer armor, but Valkyrie does, or Valkyrie does not answer Cosmo. Valkyrie does answer armor. And Shang-Chi will not answer either of them. Valkyrie also has this sort of offensive and defensive capability where she can just sort of catch people off guard right now. Honestly, when I was going through five cost cards looking for like, man, what do I want to do now that Arrow is gone? Valkyrie was kind of at the top of my tricks list. Like, what am I going to what is my five cost card and my Sarah deck going to be that's going to really catch people out and like win these lanes most underrated card in my opinion as far as like the true power potential behind her and it is because she's pull four in some senses alex i know you're big on valk talk to me i mean i love valkyrie i put her in uh, any of the tournament decks that i was a part of i bring valkyrie everywhere i can i abs- i'm just like cam i'm a huge believer in the card um i have ridden valkyrie to infinite the last couple seasons and you might say oh Alex but you played Thanos and you played this no 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 it was Valkyrie that was getting the job done that surprise card the way to use Valkyrie so you just a couple easy options if you pull Valkyrie from a list and you're like hey I'm gonna pull one or two gamer yeah what do I even do with this Valkyrie okay Valkyrie turn six with with Ant-Man boom done easy lane you also have the Valkyrie soulstone combination boom easy lane she just completely locks down a lane and at the end of the day the way you win games of Marvel snap is by winning two of three lanes. The one for my pick was Sunspot, right? And and I know you guys have picked Sunspot, but we'll go ahead and break them down. You know, best co- best one cost card in the game. Uh, obviously, we don't have to uh, to dive into that too much. To me, a one zero worked with uh, the zero worked with Angela. I I I think it would work with Sunspot. Gentlemen, opinions? So I've been thinking a lot about Sunspot. It's been one of those cards that's been on like my mental radar. Like like the shower thought card for me has been Sunspot for the last two weeks. And I actually have been teching in Electra into a lot of my decks. And it sounds crazy, but I find myself consistently be able to use Electra in like again 60% of my games because there's a Sunspot sitting there, right? And the thing I realized with Sunspot is that if you have a Sunspot that's a 1-7, okay. The higher that sunspot gets, the more of a liability it becomes for the player who has that sunspot. Because when I play my turn six Electra and I'm like, LOL, that sunspot's gone. They were relying on that energy. That's energy that was soaked the entire game that then is just wasted. So sunspot getting huge becomes a liability because it can be kill market, it can be Electra. There's, there are counters to it. And so like, I think that's part of the equation too, honestly, that we just got to punish people who are playing Sunspot more. I think we can all say, I don't know if anyone has Killmonger on their list, but it, he was definitely like top honorable mention for, for myself. Just, it, just a, uh, again, Alex, you said it last time we did this best. He has three power, sure, but the board state flip is like night and day. Yeah, and, and, and now yeah. that zero and Titania, and it's like, you're getting massive payoffs from one. I got card. another hot take, by the way. If you don't like Sunspot because it's getting too big, play Valkyrie. <laughs> yeah. Shadow King. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Shadow actually does something there. All right, boys. Number eight. I have Magneto, one of the bigger winners from the patch. KM? I have Wave. I like it. Alex? Cozy this time, you're stealing mine because I picked Magneto as well. Oh, dude. Magneto. Magneto is... Wow. Did he win? Was Shield getting adjusted as well? It's crazy to think that Magneto has the capabilities of what he still has. And for me, he, he's been more of an instance, uh, insta slot. I don't know about you, KM, but for my Miracle list, I loved Arrow there. She still works there for a discount, but it's so weird not having that extra card at the end there. When do you use Magneto, though, to keep it on that? 
I mean, that's actually an interesting point, isn't it? Right? Like, can we put Magneto in the arrow slot in those Ceradex and just say, you know what? That's probably better. It'll probably like, pull probably a few fine. cards. Yeah. Like, there's so many good three, yeah. four cost cards, right? There's so many impactful yeah. Darkhawks and whatever. In fact, I was going against you in a tournament. You pulled two of my Darkhawks. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, so mm -hmm. uh, definitely strong. Where do you guys feel like, or KM, you didn't put Magneto here. Where do you feel like he no. is? And what are your thoughts? I did not have Magneto on here because as far as I'm concerned, he is at this point, in my mind, a sort of side grade Dr. Doom. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert, neither of those cards made my list, not because of anything particular. I think they're just very good. But I'm trying to list the cards that I like think will define this metagame. Yep. And I do not think that Magneto or Dr. Doom will define this metagame okay. in the same way as some of the other cards on this list. Nice. Okay, I'm excited to talk Doom here later, not to spoil anything. Alex, any any takes on Magneto? Yeah, so it's funny. We we actually talked about Magneto in the past, and uh, I kind of made the argument that like Hulk might be better because like you don't have to compete with the power of the cards you pull. So I actually did something this week. I played a deck that could have very easily just slotted Magneto. I put Hulk instead, and it was so much worse. It never <laughs> felt good. And the only thing that happened is every time I played Hulk on turn six, people would emoji the Hulk with a smiley because they respected the play, yeah. even though I lost and donated cubes. So yes, Magneto is so much better than Hulk. I, the Hulk needs a Are bump. you sure they weren't emojiing with the smile because they knew they were going to win? Yeah. The, <laughs> also that, yes. The, they were like, oh, look, he has his starter card still. What's uh, what's happening? <laughs> I, I, I did get Taco Hulk, though, and I don't know if you guys ever get a variant where you're like, I, I'm, I'm going to find a way to play this card just for a little bit at the very least. KM, who was your uh, eight? I, I I missed that. Wave. Oh, let's talk wave, dude, because I, I actually, I'll spoil it. I don't have wave on my list. I think wave is like the free to play hero right now. Yes, I, I think a lot of I think a lot of free to play heroes get a bad rap. Uh, like, I know Leader was a free-to-play hero for a little bit. I know Arrow was a free-to-play hero. Like, the, the Wave is the free-to-play hero right now. You want to play, like, some form of just, like, in my opinion, the best Series 3 deck is probably going to be something involving the cards Wave and She-Hulk alongside a big six drop. Like, that is just a great thing to do. It doesn't necessarily have to be Death Wave. It could be whatever. But, like, when we talk about the payoffs to a priority deck, one good way to have a payoff to a priority deck, remember, priority means you're winning, is to play Wave, and yep. then you'll still be winning. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, she is phenomenal. Yeah, somehow Wave got buffed in this last patch because of Arrow, in a sense, now you can Wave on five, and the impact of Arrow on five is so much more... It's not more mess, but you it's it's the same Arrow you're getting. It's the exact same Arrow you're you get doing. the same Arrow. Yep, you get the same Arrow, and... Even now, if you don't have priority, unless it's something crazy, you're not going to go against another arrow as much. And so I feel like they mm -hmm. play their card. You go, even if you don't have priority, you have arrow in there. I mean, it's going to be, you still have the shield in the other lane. 100% agree. Alex, thoughts on wave before we move on? I love wave. And I love what Cam said, that the idea that you can play wave and not a death wave list and just like use it in conjunction with She-Hulk in an excellent drop. Yeah. Like it's so good. Like I like I, I talked about a prior that honestly it was arrow. You would basically play wave on turn five, conserve the two, and then you'd play She-Hulk and arrow and you just like basically win the game every time. Right. And that's yeah. kind of why arrow probably had to get hit with the nerf hammer. Yeah. But like, yeah, I love wave. I use it in so many different deck lists. It has an amazing Dan hip variant. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta love that too. But like, it just is an amazing card that continues to be like an absolute god tier choice for players as cam said like in pool three that like are just trying to unlock a card with their tokens and actually help them carry games uh let's move on gentlemen let's go to seven and alex i'll have you start seventh best card 
For me, it's Darkhawk. Galactus. Spicy. And for me, I have Sarah slotted in at this point. Just spend the time talking about Galactus here. And Cam, I'll give you the floor. I think that Arrow may have been one of the things holding Galactus back from being truly dominant. Uh, the fact that Arrow is in every deck, you know, that is a problem, right? But you know what it's not a problem for? is keeping Galactus away. An arrow a day keeps the world eater away. All yes. right. Like I don't wanna I don't wanna have to deal with this card in the metagame. But now that Arrow is no longer gonna be in every deck, it's not that she wouldn't be able to beat Galactus. She would. It's that the fact that she's no longer in every deck means that now there are gonna be some decks that are way more free for the Galactus player. And I I honestly like I gotta tell you I'm not a fan of Galactus as a deck that just like exists and auto wins whenever you don't have the counterplay, where it's just simply asking the question of do you have the counterplay and that's it. Yeah. Uh, you know what? They said it in the patch notes perfectly. They said polarizing and they were talking about him as a card and it just, even in battle mode, it's like, okay, the person that pulls Galactus wins or the person that gets debris wins or whatever it might be at that point. That's yep. not fun. That's not a fun nope. way to go about the game. Alex, thoughts on Galactus? I liked Galactus better when it wasn't in the actual card pool and you get to pull it from Agent 13 and that was the chance you had to play Galactus. Because sometimes <laughs> I wonder if it's like not not actually a great card for the video game. You know what I mean? They, I wonder about that. They need to make his prior... They need to honestly make him super strong is my opinion. Make his power strong because then you screw the priority game up. But then they would end up just Cosmoing that next turn or whatever with the priority to mess it up. The thing that this is what gets me about Galactus... Guys, they're getting smarter. Now, for a while, I don't know about you, but Galactus players, they were the easiest people to... They, they, I mean, I saw an Electro, oh, a Wolf. I was like, all right, buddy, you snap. Go ahead, my man. And then you just, you end them. They're getting smarter, guys. You're getting Galactus in decks with, like, freaking Patriot now. And I'm like, I don't even know what to think about it. And I don't... Have you guys lost to a game where they're playing one deck? You, you swear on it. And then Galactus comes out? I think I was the first person ever to lose to Galactus Thanos. The oh. first person ever. I like Negasonic too, the newer card, because you could throw on a lane and be like, oh, I'm not Galactusing, guys. I got all three lanes filled. And then they blow them both up. And then you're like, bam, you throw it down to Galactus. <laughs> Wait, that's incredible. Isn't that kind of fun? <laughs> it's amazing. And it's kind of, I was I doing it yesterday. So it was so mean. And then here's the thing. You have Noel anyway, so you're like just pure profiting. But, you know, I feel like Galactus, I've been doing some draft battle tournament stuff. Galactus in draft is a blast because then you're trying to make them work and it's 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 a little bit different. But yeah, Galactus is definitely a problem. Uh, we're going to be talking about the other cards here, gentlemen. Let's just move up to number six here. And I've got Dr. Doom placed at number six. KM, who's your six? I have Sunspot. We actually already talked about him. Okay, nice. Alex? Dracula. All right, let's kick off with Dracula, buddy. He fell out of my top 10. I, I'll, I'll spoil it. He was in my top 10 last time. And I, there's no reason for him to fall out. He's a great card. I just think it's an amazing card. And every single time there's a Dracula on board, I think it creates a situation that creates stress for the opposing player. <laughs> I actually feel like Dracula has a similar emotional impact on your opponent as Daredevil. Because they know it's hitting Infinite every single time, right? Like that's, that's the rule of Dracula. It hits Infinite. So like, I love Dracula because it allows you to do very interesting things on turn six. And it's one of the reasons why I love Chavez. I mean, almost every Dracula list I run, I run Chavez so I could play down my hand and then have the Dracula either guarantee hit Chavez or I run the Apocalypse so I can guarantee play Chavez and hit the uh, the Apocalypse out of the hand with like a Modoc on turn five. So I do think that like Dracula, the condition of having like the random hit is not as difficult to play around as people think it is. And as a result, it's a much more consistent card than it would uh, first appear to be. This is, uh, I, Cam, I'll give you the floor, but why, yeah, I agree, Alex. Why I like Dracula is, again, to bring up Negasonic, there's not a lot of cards you can place in a lane 
and be like, I'm done for a little bit and, and just see what the opponent does. Sometimes Dracula scares opponents. They go to the other lanes because they don't want to, they, they know the infinite's there. Negasonic kind of same thing. Like, hey, you can do something and then I'll do something in a minute. Dracula, yeah, man, he, he works in so many decks and for whatever reason, discard has been kind of prepped on for a little bit, even though it's win rate is great. It's still doing pretty good performance wise. KM, Dracula. I have no problem with Dracula being on this list. Really, I think he's good there. He goes in like the sort of Khazar uh, Red yeah. Skull Infinite Zoo decks. That's mm. totally fine. I have no I have no qualms with this. I just had 10 other cards that I'd put in ahead of him, basically. For my pick, I had Dr. Doom, fellas, and I know, KM, you said your, your, your piece on Doom a little bit. If, to me, I feel like with the Space Stone nerf, which, you know, I, I think helps Doom a little bit more because you don't have those Thanos decks cheating these cards to other locations. I, I just can't tell you guys how many times I look at my, my turn six and I even have some better plays. I have like a She-Hulk five cost drop and I'm like, well, damn, nah, Doom just kind of wins it for me here, right? Like, and with Arrow being affected as well, which can kind of go both ways with Doom, I, I, I like that the spreading wide tactic might be even better. I just feel like Doom always has that answer the 615 value, I have a hard time not putting him in majority of my decks. That's why I have him so high. Alex, I'll give you the floor. Then KM, you, you can wrap up Doom here. It's funny because like, as you mentioned it, I kind of wish I included Doom perhaps over Chavez. Like that was kind of like where it, I think he could go. Um, the reason why I think he fell off slightly for me was because the surprise factor is gone. I think that he's built into so many different decks right now. Uh, the new versions of Patriot are running uh, Dr. Doom as well currently. Um, like there's so much utilization for Doom that like it, the surprise element's gone. And so I do think that, like, for instance, I think Magneto is a better card than Doom right now. I do. I think so. But I still think that, like, Doom is still an amazing card, especially when you consider, like, the Electro-Doom-Odin, like, combination. That is just god tier, and it'll always be. And that's a, that's a play that's accessible for many players relatively early in the game. So I, I like Doom. I do. I, and maybe I should have thrown him on this list here. I think Electro-Sandman's Sand underplayed, personally. But go ahead, Cam. Two things. One... I think Electro Sandman might be underplayed. I'd like to keep it that way. No one wants to play against that. Okay. Uh, the second one is Doom is phenomenal. He is an incredible six cost card. If you are looking for six cost cards and you just need, I need a, a good six cost card here to just bring the deck together. Great call. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with him. Great, reasonable, like one of the two best generically applicable six cost cards in the game. I have no problems with him. I will point out this is something just to how you should think about Dr. Doom. Both Doom and Magneto impact other lanes, and that's why they're good. Yes, they are plays that cost six. They use your whole final turn, but they can swing multiple lanes at the same time. And that's what makes them strong. The more. Yes. And especially the more bad locations we get or the bat like that is that that is the thing like the plunder castles of the world or, or what have yeah. you. Uh, that's where I think uh, that's probably why I played Doom for a while. It's just like I was so damn sick of Morag and these other these other things that I couldn't uh, just couldn't uh, take. All right, let's go to number five, gentlemen. And this is. I feel bad. I could probably put him higher. I could put him... I don't know. Darkhawk, to me right now, seems like he's in one of the best places out of almost all the cards. That's who I have at five. KM? I have She-Hulk here. Nice. Beautiful. Alex? For me, it's Sarah. Sarah? Yeah, man. I had her at seven. I have no, no complaints. Why do you have her so high? 
I have her so high because I think that like she does such a unique thing in this game and she allows you to have these miracle turn six plays that like really come down to Sarah and negative are like the two cards that really enable that. And I love Sarah because we, as we spoke about in the past, I feel like it gives cards a turn six possibility. Like there are cards in the game that you would never really play on turn six, but suddenly paired with Sarah, you have this opportunity to have these combo potential plays on turn six, which can really provide you with not only flexibility, but also like a game winning condition. Because like, you know, sometimes a random juggernaut on turn six by itself is not going to win the game. But when you play juggernaut Maximus and Polaris, well, then, hey, you're doing something there, aren't you? Right. So it's pretty cool what Sarah can do. And I think that it's a very unique card in the game and it can't be uh, slept on as like a combo piece. KM, you're the, you're the Sarah whisperer, so I'm going to give you the floor. But I'll say on Sarah is it, it has got to be one of my favorite decks to play in the game simply because of what Alex just said. The fact that you can pull something off like Ronin, Black Widow, and Master Mold on the same turn, like these weird combos that wouldn't have been possible otherwise, I'm in love with these explosive turn sixes that just throw people off. As far as Sarah, I do love her. She's my absolute queen and goddess. Uh, my profile picture on Twitter and on Twitch is me drawn in the style of Sarah. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. I love her. I felt, I, I will say this, I left her off the list. I left her off the list. Okay. Why so? And I, I, I will tell you why I left her off the list. I think I've been playing a lot of Sarah decks that are getting heavier and heavier, right? Yeah. A lot of Sarah decks, they're like, well, we're running a couple fives in here. And I'm kind of wondering if she's actually necessary in her own control archetype at this point. Okay. The Sarah Zabu stuff is super dope and I love it. But I think I, I'm not saying that it could exist without her. But I think the cards that make it or take it to the next level are more important than she is right now. Zabu, I think, had some effect to that as well. But like Zabu, the fix with Zabu, playing him on two, only dedicating two to really get a, a pretty big swing for, you know, four costs of good cards there. Uh, yeah, I mean, because the Shang-Chi and Darkhawk, I get them both on six. Like, okay, cool. The heavier, that's a good, that's a good point. The more new cards we get that are cheap cards, I think we'll continue to add to yeah. the Sarah love, uh, but I like your thought process there. Let's move on, uh, gentlemen, to number four, and that's where I do have She-Hulk. She was my number two, or number one, I think, number two. Last time I did this, one PowerPoint, guys. You know you're a good card when a nerf doesn't make you any worse, really, right? So She-Hulk's mine. KM, what's yours? Uh, my number four is Darkhawk. Okay, beautiful. Alex? For me, it's Thanos. This is where Thanos comes in. All right, so with She-Hulk, gentlemen, I, I feel like... Nothing really changed with her. It, 10, 9, you get their early prior on 4 still. You can do the crazy turn 6 as we just kind of already talked about. Yeah, she's still one of the best versatile cards in the game in my opinion. Yeah, can't argue with that. I, I think that She-Hulk is still phenomenal. Just an outrageously strong card, especially paired with Wave. Especially paired with, you know, Sunspot. There are just so many things that make her good uh, from being able to be played as a... Like I uh, on turn four to getting the discount with wave. She is phenomenal. She yep. is one of the best cards in the game and she will remain one of the best cards in the game. I think she Hulk's a great card. It's still great. And I, I love this change because we talk about in the past how like just changing one power on a card can have an immense impact because like we've all lost games by one, right? We've all been there. And the thing I like about this change is it it's probably going to create a situation where people don't just throw she Hulk into every list just cause. Because I feel like that's the thing that was happening with She-Hulk. And now, like, you're going to throw her into a list that actually makes sense. Like, you're going to make sure that you're utilizing that skipped energy in more appropriate ways. Because I think it was a fallback card for so many decks. 
And I think that the reduction of one power still leaves it as one of the best cards in the game. Don't get me wrong. But I think it dials it back just enough that like, I, you're not just going to throw it in for no reason, right? I, I felt like a lot of people were actually doing that. Well, that's sort of what the thing, right? Like, like you, you wouldn't really throw her in there with no reason. You'd throw her in there with the idea that you could do Sunspot and then 5 plus 1 with the She-Hulk as the 1, right? Like, so you'd, you'd throw her in there, she'd go with Arrow, and that would be kind of the thing that you would do with her. That's the thing you want to see from your She-Hulk is, you know, you play She-Hulk plus Arrow without having to actually even play Wave. Now, Arrow is gone, but... You also can do, you know, Shuri into She-Hulk Taskmaster. Yep. And uh, the, the, the Devil Dino with, with She-Hulk on six. I think the, as people experiment with new five cost cards, that's where I, th- we, I see we get a lot of She-Hulk. But Alex, I do understand your point 100% because I actually see people put She-Hulk in decks where it's like, you're not even trying to skip turn five here. What do you like? What, 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 what is your purpose of that She-Hulk? Like a six play? Uh, it, it doesn't work like that anymore. It's like American Chavez at this point. But OK, like that on She-Hulk and KM. You're going to go in and kick us off on Darkhawk because this might be, if we talk about favorite cards, this has been my tournament deck. This has been uh, Rocks and Hawks. I love Darkhawk, man. Kick us off. The four drop slot in Marvel Snap is not full of a lot of good cards. Darkhawk no. is usually the best stat stick there. The fact that you get to play Rock Slide with him and disrupt your opponent is even better. Darkhawk is an excellent card in that context. You get the Zabu discount. Sometimes you get the Sarah discount. He is phenomenal and i think one of the reasons i have him high here it would be higher than i would have had him last time is because he's actually really good into thanos now because thanos used to free roll those stones with quinjet he's a real punish to that now they have to spend energy in order to get those cards out of the deck and make him smaller yeah great point i was playing against raven cast and he put on uh, mindstone a couple games and that takes away two of my dark uh, two slots up the dark hawk uh, power technically four power he took a minor minor hit with mystique's change minor because now if you do kill dark hawk you can't mystique it anymore and that's actually that happens it does happen from time to time if you have prio what you should with dark hawk you can usually get that copy off anyway but dark hawk to me it's what you said you're disrupting the opponent uh, now you can go ahead and have a bounce deck with korg and, and black widow you don't have to worry about rock slide and you can get that to work but it, it mainly comes down to the turn six play it feels so damn good man the fact that you can play dark hawk shang dark hawk rock slide dark hawk whatever it is and then if you're trying to win a location like hala or like asgard you can't beat Darkhawk. You can't beat him. He has too much power in one lane. Darkhawk's been by far one of my favorite cards of the game for a while. Uh, he's on my list at seven. And I got to tell you that, like, it feels great for the exact reason what that Kim said. Like, you're disrupting their deck. You're, you know, you're playing Korg. You're playing Rockside. You're, you're playing cards that, like, legitimately impact their ability to play the game while just completely boosting your capabilities on the board as well. And the thing I love about Darkhawk is that, like, there are situations where Darkhawk's sitting there and I'm holding Rockside turn six. Yep. And the person's done their math. And I'm like, bro, you haven't done enough math because you're not banking on this and like yep. even just Korg on turn six yep. right like we'll just bounce them up right so it's what? I love Darkhawk I think he's so versatile and I love him I just I can't get enough of him two last things on it it's it's what KM said on the Magneto and Doom effect you're playing multi-laned right so if you do have Korg and you already have Darkhawk out you're literally building multiple lanes I've won tournament games purely off that heck my ba- my best win of all time gentlemen was a lamentous game where you think Darkhawk is terrible rock slide last turn and i got double bonuses in both lanes uh but I- i'll say this i think that i wrote him off because he was meta and i and i didn't want to 
He was so dominant. And I was like, no, that's a pay to win card, whatever. And now I'm like, oh, he feels perfect. Let's go to go to three gentlemen. And at number three, I have Red Skull, KM. Thanos. For me, this is where I put Shuri. Now, no spoilers, but uh, I, I think we're going to see these cards come up again. So let's just go to two. And uh, this is where I have Thanos. KM? I have Red Skull here. There we go. So we swapped there. And Alex? For me, I have Devil Dinosaur. Awesome. Well, look at that. Okay, I like it. Well, let's go ahead and I think we can talk all three of these. And uh, let's start with Devil Dino. For me, it's because I have a lot of interactions with brand new players in the game. They come in and they're looking for a good deck to play. And uh, so many people just fall right to Zoo. Like, play Zoo, play Zoo. But I'm like, you know what? Why don't you play some Devil Dinosaur, man? Like, Devil Dinosaur's where it's at. You know what? That kind of card, it'll serve you well from pool one to two to three. It serves you well the entire time. And you know what? To this day, I still turn to Devil Dinosaur whenever I want to play a deck. And I want to turn, I don't want to say turn my mind off, but I just want to enjoy the process. Devil Dinosaur always feels big. It always feels impactful. And uh, it has many combination plays. You got the Moon Girl, you got you can even Taskmaster, you can Mystique. There's so many different opportunities to play. And it's just one of those cards I think is accessible for so many players. And for that reason, I love seeing a good, viable card from Pool 1 that continues to do work in March 2023. Yep, you don't have to twist my arm there. Love Devil Dinosaur. I think the biggest mistake is people kind of commit too much to them. You don't have to fill your deck with Agent and Moon and this. Honestly, Agent Coulson alone feels pretty good most of the time, even just with Devil, in my opinion. Yeah, man, I love him. Uh, KM, I know you have thoughts on Devil, but I'll let you uh, start there and, and talk about Red Skull as well. So I have no issue with Devil Dinosaur. I do think that it does sort of tie into the Red Skull thing because I think Red Skull might have just taken Devil Dinosaur's spot as the generic best five-cost card to just throw in a deck and run with it. New Red Skull is at minimum a 5-9, at maximum a 5-13, well, really at maximum a 5-26. <laughs> but, like, it is just phenomenal in every deck I've ever played it. I, I, I put it in Shuri yesterday, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. I just enjoy having this card around. It's just good. It, it, the downside is not significant enough. Like, if there was a generic 5-9, that's abomination, right? And the upside is, oh, I can Shuri this, and it's like a billion points. And yeah. if you Shuri it, it didn't even really get downgraded in that sense. Like you, you, you Shuri it and it's still, you know, 22. 26 minus four as opposed to 30 minus eight, right? Like it's still doing its job there. I think Red Skull's great. Yeah, it feels like a lizard without the consequence. Like you put out lizard, you have multiple turns to make that person pay, pay per se, getting lizard out. With Red Skull, they get the priority going into six, most likely if they play it the correct way. Or, and what you just said with the Shuri thing, man. That's why I had him at three. No, no arguments there. I don't think he lasts in his current state. I just, there's just, there's, there's no way. I just don't think he lasts. I'm glad they tested it out. It was a fun 24 hours. I think we can all say Red Skull does need to be lowered and adjusted. And I like what they did with him. I understand it. I like the feel of the lore, the plus one. Cool. They need to fix it, I think. But uh, yeah, Red Skull is, is just, he's good in every deck. And then yeah, even just Dracula or, you know, uh, any deck he's going to work in pretty well in. Zero Red Skull is just phenomenal turn six. It's still 16 power, gentlemen. I think that's plenty of power. And one thing I'll say is that what Cam brought up was actually a great point, right? The idea that as a five drop, Red Skull really just owns the landscape for power. Because if you think about it, Red Skull comes down and Shuri's the turn four. If I'm playing Devil Dinosaur, it's what, like White Queen and it's a four six. And really like you've got four power with White Queen on the Shuri, but then what happens when Red Skull drops, right? So that is probably like why Red Skull feels like it's so kind of oppressive, right? Because it just puts up so much power and yeah, of course it's sitting behind Cosmo, yeah. right? Yeah. 
Of course it is. And that's the thing. It's like the Taskmaster thing did a little something, but 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 also it didn't because Armor and Cosmo are in the top 10 most played cards in Snap. And so you can hide it. You can protect it. People are starting to learn that Cosmo is a liability or Armor can be a liability at times, which is why I swapped him out of my good cards deck. But yes, yeah, so Red Skull, great card. Uh, this is where I have Thanos, gentlemen. I have Thanos at number two. And again, it does go back to his stones. Well, first of all, can we, can we all just take a moment? The VFX, good God almighty. They did a good job with the the effect. Did you guys think so? They're a little like over yeah, the yeah, top yeah, yeah. amazing. It, like uh, I'm happy they don't take time. Like one of the things that really I love I love about Marvel Snap is uh, effects will take time in animation, but the game is still running behind it. And when they had the preliminary Thanos stones, where I had to wait five uh, seconds for every single one of them to get shuffled in my deck, I hated it. That was like the biggest thing they could have given Thanos. Kang, you're just sitting yeah, like, Kang, oh, geez, there's the cogs. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, it's like Galactus, at least you have like a second to kind of like, all right, let me think about what I'm going to do now. Whatever. It's still kind of annoying. But uh, yeah, Thanos doesn't take away. And I was playing at night, man. I, I lit up the whole room. Like the stones, <laughs> it's like shining back. But anyway, uh, guys, I think Thanos... The utility of the stones, the space stone, yes, it got nerfed. It's still great, just different. It's great, but different. And it solves the, the cheapness of what I thought the Lockjaw deck obviously suffered with. Reality stone, the utility. I think when Conquest comes, the battle mode format, he's going to be even, uh, you just, you can't make it up. The utility of the stones are just that, that strong in my opinion. Yeah, you don't play Thanos as, you don't really hardly play Thanos as much. But where I was playing this back before Lockjaw became a thing is like Thanos is almost just like an alternate win condition. Like you, you play with the stones. If you have Thanos, you played them all. You're like, well, sh it just kind of works out. I'm going to slap a 20. I think KMU said it. The only thing that can contend with it is an infinite now, which feels kind of good lore even wise. Yeah. Uh, Thanos, uh, let's start with you on Thanos and then go to Alex. I think there are a ton of fun ways to play Thanos and I can't wait, wait to figure out what the right one is. I do think the Space Stone Lockjaw thing getting fixed is a big deal. I do wonder if Leech is still going to be the thing you're supposed to be doing in those decks. I don't really know. It sort of depends on the, uh, I guess I'd say like the deck marketplace outside of Thanos, right? Like, because if everyone's running Thanos and you're running Leech and someone has some stuff that beats the Leech in their Thanos deck, well, then maybe you don't want to be running Leech anymore. I'm interested to see if, it, if the deck can iterate from here, basically. Yep. If people can iterate on something that beats the Thanos mirror or punishes Leech in the Thanos mirror such that Leech starts falling out of the deck, that should really open up the metagame if that happens. Yep. Alex? I mean, for me, Thanos is just like absolutely amazing because of the utility of the stones. Um, I actually think the space stone nerf is very significant, is. Uh, but I think it's a great play on the development team's behalf because it allows them to not touch Lockjaw because I felt like a lot of people were attacking Lockjaw, but like I felt like it was kind of unwarranted. Like, yes, Lockjaw was a beautiful engine for that deck, but very specifically for that deck. When you're playing like Thor Lockjaw, for instance, it's still a great deck, but you're you're rolling the dice with RNG. You're gambling, right? But with, uh, but with Thanos, like because of the draw engine, you're more likely to have the uh, the lockjaw. You have this like, well, Quinjet got murdered, but like you're able to just generate so much value and just cheat out that that leech on like turn three or four, regardless of whether or not you even played the time stone. Like it's just, uh, I really like the changes they made, but like it, I think it's still a really good deck. So two things on that. First of all, you 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 hit the nail on the head, Alex, because with a, a Thor deck. If you were going to wasp and do all that, you had to commit. Like, whatever came up, came up, and then they could destroy it. Now, you, you know, you can throw it around turn three and get your devil dinosaur, throw it to another lane. It just felt ridiculous. I'll say this. It's still good, guys. Lockjaw Thanos is still good for two reasons. You get to cycle the stone still. 
which doesn't make a lot of sense because uh, the playing is stone. They should be, I don't know. It's a little weird, but that still helps with Thanos and getting his power if you're aiming for that. But yeah, I mean, uh, Lockjaw is just very, hmm. I hated the Thanos meta because of the RNG behind it. I think when I was playing in tournament play, I'm like, I hope this isn't Leech. I, or I hope this isn't a Soul Stone. And it feels bad for the winner and the loser. The loser can say, oh, I, I got bad luck. And the winner could say, oh, I got bad luck. So it, it, I didn't like that at all. Gentlemen, we are on our last pick, the number one right now. And this is not going to be shocking for many people here. Let's all go. And I've got Shuri here. Didn't get touched. And just the most impactful card in Snap at the moment. Okay, I'm I've got Shuri. I have the answer to Shuri. And it's Shang-Chi. Ah, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, Shang could easily be on my list as well. Arrow fell out of everybody's top 10. I think we just need to see where she develops. But right now, I, I don't think she's... The most impactful at the moment. But uh, yeah, Shuri, what is there not to say? Uh, KM, I'll just give you the floor because it's it's obvious, I think. And I don't even know what to say either. Like, uh, she makes your cards double in power. That's really good. Yeah. Getting getting your cards to double in power helps you win games with Marvel Snap. Back to you, Cozy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Two plus two equals four, right? Like, it, it Shuri's times two. It's, it's a little quicker. I think I saw a, a fix that I kind of liked. I don't know how you make her work. I did like someone that said you have to, it, she has a rescue effect where you have to play on her lane. There's some interesting mechanics. Maybe they do the or negative and you get a huge punishment, but at the same time, who cares? Like you could make her negative four and you put the red skull in the other lane. It's, it's still going to do <laughs> what you're trying to do. Uh, negative four. Negative four negative would four be like bad. a pretty yeah. significant cost to play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Negative four <laughs> is pretty bad, but I just, you know what I mean? Like the, there's the two lanes that you're trying to win with Sherry, but she, she definitely, again, just like red skull. I don't think there's a way or a world that she stays in the state she's in. And they kind of address that. They do say they wanted to take more time on her. And I think with Leech, it's the same thing. It's abilities. They're trying to think about like what the impact is. Uh, Alex, let's talk Shang-Chi, though. Without a question, Shuri is one of the best cards in Marvel Snap, but the way you counter Shuri is with Shang-Chi, and I think that Shang-Chi is remarkable for so many reasons. One, it's in almost every single deck. We know that. We talked about it last week. Its win rate is phenomenal, but the reason why Shang-Chi, I think, has climbed for me was because of the nerf to Taskmaster, which now allows Shang-Chi to even reign supreme further. Um, I think that Shang-Chi brings a lot of balance to Marvel Snap, uh, but it, it can be extremely frustrating to play against. I think that the prevalence of Zabu and it being still a very good card allows Shang-Chi to slide into turn six effectively with other drops that'll be a three cost at the turn. I think that Shang-Chi is like a auto-include in so many decks and honestly is probably a nerf candidate, but can it even be nerfed? Because if you just throw power on the board, like we're talking about how Shuri is so good and oppressive and Red Skull so good and oppressive, well, it's because Shang-Chi's the answer. I I think you could adjust his power, maybe. That's the only thing. His effect, I love the idea of all... I think he's in a good place. I the, the, I love the idea of the constant fear of Shang-Chi. And I want to bring up the example of the tournament match between me and KM again. There was a match KM between us. I lost because I, I had the two Dark Hawks in the lane. And I just was fearing Shang-Chi. So I retreated. And then I watched the tape. And you didn't have them. And I'm like, that's the power of Shang-Chi. Because I'm like, well, I lose, right? You do the math. We all do it on turn six. And I'm like, you play Shang-Chi. You always assume your opponent has the cards. The fear of Shang-Chi, I actually love that. At KM? That's another thing. Because, like, you know, I, I, spoiler, I was playing Thanos, right? And Thanos is really able to leverage the information asymmetry of Marvel Snap, both in terms of snaps and in situations like that, because it runs so many cards that you could reasonably lose to at any given time, right? 
So, you know, first of all, hopefully that changes. Second of all, I yeah, Shang-Chi's amazing. I think, you know, here's a, here's a question for you. Would you still play him in every deck if he had two power? Because I think you probably would. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing. It, like, a full, it, does he even need to have power? <laughs> like, because he's doing such a flip. He's doing such a flip of yeah. power. Does he even need that? What about a 4-0 AM? Uh, four zero, you 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 you'd be paying a much more significant cost for including him. I I think it would be much a much harder sell, which feels kind of right in a sense. It, it, again, Maybe. it all starts with Shuri and what they do there, and then then, then they have to like trickle trickle down to the counters. Very interesting all, all together. So that is our our top ten list, uh, gentlemen and viewers as well. And and my gosh, has things shaken up even since the yeah. last time we did this and. I hope they continue to shake up, guys. I really do. As things get even more crazy, KM man, we loved having you having you here in general. If you guys do want to check out KM, uh, he's on Twitch streaming all the time, but he also has a YouTube channel. I'll put it down in the description below. Go check him out. Uh, any any closing notes from you, man? No, this was a blast. Uh, I did. I'm honored to be the first guest. I really appreciate uh, the trust you've shown in me to be such. Thank you so much. And, you know, maybe I'll see you next time. Who knows? Yeah, man. Man, I don't know about you, but uh, I loved having a guest on the show. That was really cool, huh? It was fun. It was a lot of fun, especially when you have a guest like Cam Bassett, very uh, cerebral about the game, very knowledgeable. It's a great, like, great discussion overall. It's awesome. Yeah, you know what's so great? I've talked to a lot of content creators, and I love everybody thinks about Snap differently. And that's what I love, especially with, like, some tournament play and stuff, seeing how people articulate the game. So, some people are like, Big number equals big power. I win the game. Others are just so smart with the way they play and how to really make all these cards like harmonize and synergize and, and KM. Yeah, great guy there. But let's go and go to the last subject on my side, and that is going to be the meta balance patch. Obviously, we're going to talk about it. We talked about it with KM, but let's talk winners and losers. Now, this isn't, you know, the top cards, but these are ones that you can expect to kind of rise up because of what has happened in the meta and then others to dramatically fall. And, you know, Glenn did say on Twitter that there's going to be a lot of change still and, and to stay tuned. It sounds like there's a lot of buffs coming, which is obviously exciting. No, I definitely was a little let down. I don't know about you, that there was no buffs. Didn't make a lot of sense. But I want to give a hats off to Glenn out there because he answered so many questions. I don't know any game that A is willing to do that. These are people. These, this is their time, right? And the fact that he took on the random keyboard warriors of the internet props big props to him although i can't forgive him after arrow man have, have you seen that thread it's fantastic i did and basically what glenn did was welcomed everyone to rain hell down upon him and he got an umbrella he walked out into the twitter verse and just took it and i mean it's great it's great to see that kind of communication it is so rare in games and like we really have to be appreciative of that like i'm telling you that right now nothing is worse than radio silence nothing's worse as a player base and um like glenn doing that was remarkable and you don't see another games for that exact reason because like some people have negative opinions it could be a lot for one person to kind of take that all in and like i don't know it's just it's amazing to see that kind of communi communication coming out from the development team yeah there was a question it was my favorite it was like hey glenn did you know you were going to be thrust in this position whenever you uh signed up for the job right like the guy genuinely loves the game and and, and i think that's really special i wouldn't want to be in that position whatsoever and i've seen developers exit the spotlight because the community was too much so you know oh, yeah. uh, i'm super happy with what we have right now in it and i hope that it continues to have communication it's one of the strongest parts i think about marvel snap as you can tell the team loves the game and, and they're open and honest to talk about it because honestly th th there was a lot of questions you know there's a big balance patch with nothing to leech and, and, and things like that so let's talk winners and losers alex and uh you know what i will open the floor it's not gonna be that hard because she's right here i think the most obvious winner 
is that Shuri survived what was one of the biggest meta nukes that we have seen as ter in terms of balance patching. Now, they did say that they're going to kind of just see how it feels. I think we can all say that she's going to get adjusted again it, with abilities. We've talked about it as well. They take some more time. But Shuri's a winner, man, in my book, because she's the queen of the meta. Yeah, Shuri's definitely a bit of a winner here because, like, she did kind of avoid complete catastrophe. But at the same time, like, I, I was seeing people really get upset about Shuri, and I totally understand. There's a couple things happening. One, people seeing that Shuri didn't get too impacted. Obviously, the nerf to Red Skull was impactful. But, like, people have Shuri lists already. These, this is a card that they bought in Series 4. So if they see that it's still okay and they want to get to Infinite, they're just going to keep playing the deck that they know still works. Yeah. So those people that really want to grind to infinite still, they just kept playing Shuri. Like that's just kind of what happened. So they didn't weren't willing to experiment as much. Uh, the other thing that's happening is that like, we don't want Shuri to get the leader treatment. Like the card is such a unique card in Marvel Snap. We don't want it to fall to the wayside and be completely unplayable. So like giving them the opportunity to like reiterate on this on this uh, patch, I think it's important. Yes, they took the power level down of the deck, but it doesn't mean they're done. Yeah, and I think it's uh, here's the thing. I'm fine with big power being one way to win in the game, as long as control elements exist and other ways exist to also win, right? So I think he even talked about like, he likes Shang-Chi so strong for that reason. It's a win condition. It's not the win condition. And if you have the right things to deal with it, then it works. And that's been with everything, right? Shuri just needs that as well, in my opinion, a bit more. Um, I will say this every single time there's a big balance patch. People do go to what they remember and what they know, and it takes time for new things to kind of creep up and creep back out, and maybe people start playing Cosmo and armor less, but I still have her as a winner because of just not the direct nerf to the card itself in the patch. Do you have a, do you have a winner for me, Alex? Yeah, I think it's similar. I think Leech is a winner because Leech also completely avoided getting hit. Now, I know this is going to be a hot take here. Now, when I say Leech is a winner, it's because Leech didn't get nerfed, right? Leech survived, right? But the hot take here is I was thinking about this, right? I was thinking about this because I've got a lot of comments, a lot of feedback about a lot of our Leech discussions over the last couple of weeks, right? And a lot of players are frustrated with Leech, but there's also a lot of players like, hey, I'm in pool two, and this is how I beat Galactus. Stay the hell away from Leech, right? So I see that. I see that side of it. The other side of it, Cozy, is that like the changes to Thanos perhaps take Leech Give, give the take it back a little bit, which I think was important. Like leech on turn five, and it's exactly what Cam said as well. Leech on turn five is absolutely fair. It's that cheat effect that we were getting with the Quinjet and the stones and it, it coming out on turn three, like LOL, like that's not what we want. So yeah. leech surviving for another round, I think is very interesting. Yeah, I think it's fine. What I will say about it is as the player base adjusts, and I I don't think I've like gone on my full tangent on leech, but this is this is how I view it. Number one, Black Panther. This is going to be my first example. He was around. He would be in a lane. People aren't absolved. You lost. And people are getting upset. They're like, man, this is ridiculous, right? Because of a lockjaw, there's too many things happening for players to track it. Now, if you see a time stone on three, then you the, people just need to get used to like, okay, Leech is probably going to come out. Just like Electro, like, you know, he could come out a bit early. If he comes out of lockjaw and they're spinning energy for it, it, uh, it that's okay. I think here's my thing about Leech, Alex, and, and I'm going to be honest, guys. I personally don't have a major, major issue with Leech. I went 3-0 against him in a tournament with some of the best players in Snap with no Leech deck, with a deck actually that would get killed by Leech if I got Leech, and I had to kind of anticipate that and learn to play around it. But here's the biggest thing about it. It's like Leader in the sense of because of what he does, it's so polar, it's so frustrating that those are the people 
that are going to go to the internet and go be angry about Leech and justified. I get it. It makes me furious. I've seen every streamer kind of lose it. But that's why we see cards like Leech and Leader complained a little bit more about because losing to it feels so frustrating opposed to just making a bad play and you lost yourself or, or, or whatever happened in that scenario. Do I think it's interesting that he did survive after the public kind of outcry? Yes, but at the same time, that just speaks to how important he probably is to keep kind of some checks and balances in this whole thing. And we just have to see how it goes. We have to see kind of how long he does survive and if he's going to be around in meta decks a lot and uh, what, what happens. But I get it, right? The people that are leaving a review for a restaurant most of the time are the people that had a bad experience on a good one, right? So that's typically kind of what we're seeing, I think, personally. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's that kind of vocal minority kind of uh, mindset where people that get most angry. Like, I've had Leech piss me off before. It's it's an extremely frustrating card to play against, but again, we need to bear in mind that, like, there are counterplays to Leech, and that is, wait a minute, there really isn't a counterplay to Leech. It's probably why it's the, one of the most frustrating cards in the game, right? The counterplay is you play a big card on turn five and you have Giganto turn six. Yep, exactly. Uh, uh, so definitely a winner escaping the nerf hammer as well. But who knows, guys, his time may come. In my opinion, though, Space Stone and the adjustment to the Space Stone impacted the most cards probably out of any other change that we saw. And that is because of how honestly ridiculous the Space Stone was. It, it, the fact that you don't have to run Doom, you don't have to run Mr. Fantastic, it devalued so many cards because you could simply move legit a one power mind stone to death domain and secure the win and that, that just felt so bad as far as thanos because the way thanos works is being a plug and play card alex right so in a sense and so the the space stone most affected control in shutting down lanes early and i actually did not put storm in my top 10 i think i actually mentioned it before we even started shooting that i i had her at number 10 because people forgot people forgot about storm because of the space stone but shutting down a lane early, forcing them for two, and then controlling those lanes is massive, massive in this game. And yeah, they can doom over there. They can, and I'm fine with that if they want to commit the resources. The space stone for one cost that they shuffled out, that they threw with a devil dinosaur that came out, it felt terrible. Storm went from almost non-playable with the Thanos patch to amongst one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best cards in the game again. Seriously. Yeah, no, I believe it. Like we, we've talked about Storm being one of the best cards in Marvel Snap before, and you're right. The absolute trivial nature of being able to throw whatever you want, wherever you want with that stone. And by the way, that stone could come back again into the hand after it was <laughs> lockjawed, right? Yeah. So like, yeah, it made Storm completely trivial because that flooded location was just not impactful enough. And now with that nerf, she's back. And I think you're right to identify that this is a card that is literally one of the top risers. Yeah, like again, I brought up the tournament a lot, but I think it's a good place to, to bring up because people were going sweaty. It was a $3,000 prize pool. It, it hasn't concluded yet. Uh, but when I was building my deck for it, I, I brought a deck called uh, Rocks and Hawks, and it is performed at a very high level. Very happy with it. I had Juggernaut Storm in the deck, but as I was thinking about it, I thought everyone's going to bring Thanos. I decided not to go super meta, uh, and I knew because everyone had Thanos, Storm was useless. There was no reason to have her there. And heck, Raven, I, I went against him one round. It was the first Round of the game, it was Death Domain and Superflow, and I had, I just, I, I retreated because there, I knew he had such an advantage having the Space Stone. So Storm, Control, I think it's going to be a big riser, and my biggest winner of this patch is going to be Storm. Let's talk losers. Do you have a first loser you want to talk about? You know what, Cozy? I need a couple of minutes to just, like, mourn the loss of Quinjet. Like, I know, and I, let me just be very clear about this. I understand 
I understand why Quinjet got destroyed. Like, I get it. And because anytime you have a card that's free in a card game, that is like an immensely powerful effect. Like Hood and then having Demon for free, that's insane, right? Like, I totally understand that. But I feel like this card wasn't problematic right now. It might might be with Kitty Pride, right? It could be. And so that's probably why the change had to happen. Um, It probably constricts future design landscape, which I think is exactly what Glenn said. But it felt like it hit decks that didn't need to get hit. It felt like collateral damage. Who was using those decks? So I've seen this and I get it, but like, I'm sorry. I've seen the usage of de- Who? No, I did because I, I like Colson and I had the Moon Girl yeah. stuff going on. But dude, I, there was not a lot of people that were riding the coattails of one cost cloning and then having the... I, it, that's what, like... People were bringing up bounce. Hey, guess what? Bounce is the same, guys. You could still go to zero. Bounce is the exact same. So I don't know what the... I, I get it. But at the same time, I don't. Uh, how, uh, what were you playing and what was affected? So literally, it's funny because this nerf happened. But after... I sent you a list. I sent you my devil shield sword list. Yeah, it's the right? shield. Maria Hill and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maria Hill. Like basically got... Like literally... Okay, so a bullet went through Quinjet and hit Maria Hill in the chest. <laughs> Like, basically is what happened. Like, let's be honest. Like, it completely destroyed Murray Hill. Yep. It completely destroys uh, the interactions with those types of cards. Uh, I mean, Hood Quinjet wasn't as common, but, like, the whole shield archetype was not problematic. And now you take a huge piece out of it. But again, they are the designers of the game. They know what's coming that we don't know yet. Yeah, we'll, they know what's on the horizon. This was probably going to have to happen eventually. Yeah, we'll talk about it on your channel. There's a card named Hitmonkey coming out that alone is probably the reason why this card got nerfed. My question is, is how long has he been planned for that month and why didn't we do this earlier? But I do understand they probably wanted to see how it all worked out. And it wasn't until Thanos till it was like, hey, this is probably ridiculous, right? And all the free power. So yeah, uh, yeah Quinjet, loser as far as those decks. I would probably give it the bigger nod to, to Shield. Uh, some of the Shield decks, yeah, that you mentioned there too, for sure. I just it, love that archetype. Yeah. Cozy, I love the archetype. Yeah, I mean, It dude, breaks yeah. my heart. Agent Coulson fan to the fullest here. And I remember when I found the Devil Dino Collector Maria Hill deck. I was so excited. And I was like, the chance of having a one-cost card free, you don't know what it is, is so fun. And now you're like, oh, well, okay. Where am I going to use Maria Hill? The deck can live without her. It's still a little bit sad, though. And then Agent 13 random one-cost pulls as well. Now, for losers, there wasn't as many. Like, she not went down a little bit because of the tiny adjustment in power. Not all that much. Obviously, we talked about Arrow, who was probably like the biggest loser. We've already talked about her enough today. And maybe they adjust it. Maybe it's just fine. I really, I've, I've seen two sides of both of the arguments here. For me, I, I wish they kind of tested the waters a different way, like a couple of ways before they, they did the such an aggressive nerf, in my opinion. But I also like it in ways of how you now have to play her. And here's the thing, opposed to leader, uh, like I'm going to still play her and pe- people are not going to expect her as much. So I do think that always helps as we've talked about, you know, uh, before. Now, there's like little interactions that I think got hurt more, like just because Taskmaster got adjusted, uh, Venom, and doing some cool Venom stuff you know, that relied on uh, the Taskmaster. That's been changed so that outside of Shuri. That also hurt just a, a tad bit, in my opinion. Uh, Kingpin, also through the arrow nerf, got even worse somehow, because now you can't pull all their cards last turn, kind of hope for that, right? Like Kingpin was already not great, and it's it's even worse now. I want to just reiterate how much of uh, an impact that Taskmaster mystique and absorbing man change was. Like, oh, I feel yeah, like yeah, people yeah, yeah. kind of saw that and they're like, ah, you know, whatever. That's pre-. I'm like, no, that's huge. 
Dude, That's we talked a massive about this. nerf to Shuri. That, like, that was supposed to be enough to take Shuri down a little bit. Holy, we talked, we just talked about yeah. the time, and there was like a Reddit forum on, like, people were talking about this change and pretty much like hating us for it, if I had to be honest, the conversation that we had. Crazy to see that that was actually with the devs. It, I, yeah. I'm sure we didn't have the impact. It was probably already there, no. but it was cool that we talked about that ahead of time, and then we did see to fruition what did happen. Sorry to cut you. I just thought that was so interesting, yeah? Yeah, it's crazy. We actually did call that change. Like we literally called that change and people were like, that's a bad take. And I'm like, well, kind of, but, but it feels bad. It does make a difference. Yeah. It makes it, but it kind of does make sense. But like, it's interesting how they did approach the game from like a standpoint of, well, we're not just doing the Taskmaster. We're hitting Mystique, which ironically, like oh. we didn't talk about as a top 10 card, but like that could have slid into any one of our lists. Really, honestly, <laughs> Mystique's a slept on card. Look at this variant. You and your flexing. Like, what is this? How do you get these beautiful variants all the time? It's actually upsetting me now. I did, there's so many Mystiques too. <laughs> There's so my this old, is ridiculous. One of my only Kirby's is Mystique. Yeah, dude. I, Mystique is just one of my most used cards, man. I love her. But I, look at all these inks, too. Oh my gosh, it's too much, uh, Cozy. Dude, I, I love. I, I play a lot of Snap. All right, I play a lot of Snap. Now, Cozy, let's take a second to talk about the hottest upcoming cards. Yeah. So, Alex, I got the list here, and we've got some awesome new cards coming in the next couple of months. Like so much to kind of break down and a lot to process because of one mainly. And that is high evolutionary. Now I'm going to make a separate video, I think, on this just because of how crazy it is. Have you read this card? I thought it was a meme. I thought it was like an April Fool's joke or something like that. Insane. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And like, I'll be honest with you, Cozy. Like, usually I don't like talking too much about the Dynamine cards. Like, it's one of those things that like, I like to see the official Brode. Now, I want to see Brode fight off a tiger and announce the new cards in his video. You know what I mean? But this one here slapped so hard. It was all over Reddit. It was all over Twitter. Like, it was one of those ones that was out there. Like, we are honor bound to have to talk about it because it is that epic right for those that are listening on audio we are talking about high evolutionary he is a four seven which is just a good stat line anyway with no punishment at the start of the game unlock the secret ability of all your cards with no abilities now at first i read this alex i'm like okay patriot deck getting a little bit of love but because they get abilities it's not going to synergize with the patriot it in fact makes these cards have a new home which is insane. So we're going to talk about all the cars and, and the effect that they get. But on top of that, Alex, I just want to kind of focus on this is a deck that's kind of built for us. And it's a bit weird. I kind of hope they bring more no ability cards when this card does officially come out. But wow, good stat line. And it's at the beginning of the game. So you don't even have to draw him to get the benefits. What are your initial impressions before we go through the cards? I would, my initial impression was exactly that. I was like, how, what's the deck building side to this? Because realistically, of course you're going to have like complimentary cards, right? But like, you're going to want to use these cards. Like they're going to be in your deck list. Right. And so it's pretty interesting from a standpoint of like, you're going to be able to complement those cards, but these are going to be the basis of the list. Yeah. But it, what I love about it too, is it does introduce the platform to just load us full of no ability cards, right? Because then you are helping out the Patriot deck and you're also helping out this deck and you don't even have to come up with new stat lines. You can even copy some of the stat lines we already have for Shocker and have a couple of those at the two cost rate, whatever, right? I think that this is a great time to update Patriot because I don't know about you, Patriot's one of the least sexy decks to talk about. Pretty linear. There are some one-off differences, but the main kind of core Patriot build. Now, let's go ahead and talk about the cards here, Alex. And since there's so many, we're going to kind of go through them somewhat quickly. But we start with Wasp and her new ability. Remember, she's a free card. <laughs> is on reveal, afflict two random enemy cards with one power at the location you play her on. What? 
That's pretty good for free. Yeah, no kidding. It's basically essentially a zero four, right? Which is awesome. And the the ability to afflict negative one power, it's like a mini Spider Woman, really, right? A zero three? Yes. Right. Oh, zero three. What kind of math did I do? So, anyways, yeah. I, it's yellow jacket that's zero two. Yeah, for a moment there, I kind of lost myself in the. No, the I thought I was like, is Wasp at O2? I was actually kind of thinking about it in the Quantum Mania. No, I the, made the mistake. Yeah, no, I made the mistake. No, but it, honestly, it, it is really cool to see the negative one power on the other side. And these cards kind of harmonize together. Yeah. If you, if you want to go ahead and read Misty Knight's ability. Yeah, Misty Knight, when you end a turn with unspent energy, give another friendly card plus one power. Hey, I don't know about you, but I like them starting to incorporate more unspent energy turns. Like rewarding that is so interesting. Uh, I think it's really, really neat. And that's uh, not bad. Not bad, right? I mean, just skipping the turn, you get plus one power. Yeah, Sunspot buff. We needed that. (laughs) Exactly, right? Yeah, Sunspot She-Hulk. Never played. So glad they're getting some love, right? Shocker. It's probably the biggest shocker out of the list, and I cannot tell you how much I love it. Shocker gets the new ability of on reveal. Give the leftmost card in your hand minus one cost. Awesome. I actually like, I love the idea of introducing ramp cards that aren't strictly, you, you play them and you, you have them for like a ramp deck, but you, you can kind of work them into other decks. This was big to me. I thought this was huge. It is pretty cool. I, I, I'm always concerned about the, the leftmost part of the hand thing because it has yeah. like the Nakia effect. Like it could just be like, well, cool. It didn't, but it's always going to hit something. Yep. And now that we can't drop anything lower than one, thanks to the Quinjet nerf, yep. it's always going to have value, right? So theoretically, it's a, it's a pretty cool change. I like it. Yep, absolutely. Cyclops, when you end a turn with unspent energy, afflict two random enemies here with negative one power. So kind of going on top of what Wasp does there and just kind of, again, a little bit of a wow, right? That's... Yeah. I, mm, again, though, I feel like Cyclops didn't get the coolest ability. Like, what's up with that? I know. It's crazy. Like, we kept talking about how, like, Cyclops needed love. And it's funny how in the back of the development team's head, they're like, well, we got High Evolutionary coming. It's going to be interesting. Let's give him one that's actually not all that interesting, but still good enough. Like, it still seems like a good effect. Once again, unspent energy. It is a cool effect. Yeah, and you can stack that up on multiple turns, and that, you know, that's like a Jotunheim, you know? Like, a, it, it's pretty solid. The thing, on reveal, afflict a random enemy card here with negative one power. Repeat this twice more. I thought that was so weird how they said that. Why? <laughs> that, like, it, it, I, the way they worded it is a little bit weird. I don't know. Thing is the worst of the bunch. Uh, does it, it Next to Abomination, does this help him? I'm not sure. I, when I read that text, they specifically repeat this twice more. It makes me think that it selects an enemy card and then negative threes it. So it's not like negative one randomly in the location, so it can't hit three cards for negative one. It's like it picks a card and hammers that negative three. Yeah, but, but then you, why wouldn't they just say that? I don't understand the... Exactly. It's like the leader text. It's like they want us to get a, a PhD to understand a little bit of, of, of the ability behind it. So I do... It's a bit weird... Abomination is one of the worst cards right now and costs one less for each enemy card in play that's afflicted with negative power. Hey, can we get an archetype around this? That is such a cool... That is so fun. I love the idea of uh, something that the opponent does, kind of like Ronin, but expand that, Alex. Scorpion buff? (laughs) Honestly, yeah. I mean, he'll be... He's actually one of the few that will make this deck. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Scorpion, massive Scorpion buff, which everyone was asking for. Um, so I also just realized I totally misunderstood the thing text, by the way. I read it one more time as you were talking. It basically, I think what it's going to do is it's going to select three random 
cards for negative one. <laughs> but again, but again, why not just say that? <laughs> I know. Like I read it afterwards. I'm like, I think I misinterpreted it again. Uh, oh my gosh. You're right. The, the text has to be a little cleaner, little, I think. But uh, I do like the abomination one. This is probably my favorite, to be honest with you. I like it a lot because it does open up a whole new archetype. Like hazmat, loving it. Hazmat. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's uh, for me, it feels like there's going to be way more synergy outside of just this. And people immediately are thinking, and even us, when we just started talking about this, like, oh, your deck is built for you. But even just having high evolutionary with a couple of cards and then building an archetype around that could be what we see. It could very well be what we see. Sometimes putting everything together doesn't always mean it's the best, right? Hulk, to me, I, I, this one is very interesting uh, for multiple reasons. It's an ongoing effect, which we do know Noel is the exact same. But ongoing also can mean that it has to be in play. We've seen that happen, right? That it has to be on the board for it. Hulk has an ongoing effect plus two power for each turn you ended with unspent energy. Number one, love it. Number two, it's a six cost card. So no, it's going to have to be in your hand when that updates. Hey, that seems pretty strong, huh? It does. And I think it's a high skill cap too. Like when I was seeing that, I was like, you know what? That's actually hard to do. Like to plan to get that Hulk on turn six and effectively play off curve while still getting the benefits of the cards that benefit from it. That's pretty skillful. Like, I think that's pretty interesting from a mechanic standpoint, and I've never seen that elsewhere. So I'm not sure if that's a pretty unique thing, but like, I really like what this high evolutionary is doing for the game of Marvel snap. I think this is really unique, really interesting. Yes. And honestly, I think that's why we made this a subject because it's not just this car guys. We have two more cards to talk about that legit change the mechanics of snap and make me twice as excited for the possibility of not just getting on reveal triple this card's power like i listen i don't really those are fun whatever but i like things that are complex and cool and and, and stuff that we didn't even think about and that moves us to the next new card iron lad who's a four six alex and on reveal <laughs> copy the text of your deck's top card what that seems crazy huh yeah, it does seem pretty crazy. It makes me wonder whether or not uh, you actually get to see what your top card is or if you just got to know <laughs> the text of your cards, right? You like, yeah, it's you kind do. of funny. Like, does it pop up the card and be like, hey, we're copying this one? Or is it just like, we're copying? You better know. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that I think that's the thing, right? You can. Be, it's almost another casino card in a sense that you hope it hits something good, right? And you hope that it's... Man, there's a lot of cards that you could benefit if that's on the top of your deck and you, you get that ability again. You're getting like a Moon Girl effect without getting the Moon Girl effect. Or She-Hulk then copy the top card to be able to reduce its energy when you don't play. I don't know. I, but then you already played it. I don't know. She-Hulk was a bad example. But you know what I mean. I think it's very interesting on how the mechanics of it are going to work. But that's because it synergizes with what I believe is the biggest shock of all the new cards. And that's strictly because of the mechanics behind it. <laughs> and if I were to tell you it was Howard the Duck, uh, I just love it. I love look at this. Look at this guy. It's such a good card. Guys, look at him. Howard the Duck. I am going to be inkifying this bad boy. I can only imagine the pixel version of it. Howard the Duck ongoing tap this to see the top card of your deck. And it's an ongoing ability with only one cost. That means you can plan ahead, Alex. You now know what's coming the next turn and Never mind the ability, just the mechanics, the coding behind it, the fact that this is now a thing, and it kind of comes back to you saying the leftmost hand thing. Like, stop doing that garbage and start implementing stuff like this. Tap the card you want to upgrade. Tap the, the fact that you can now work with this is so cool to me. 
I don't know anything about uh, Magic the Gathering, but I'm actually surprised that they're using that language because that is like direct Magic the Gathering language, isn't it? Like yeah. tapping cards is that is not directly pulled from Magic the Gathering. I get, yeah, also, right? Because it's kind of like you're clicking the card on a PC, uh, but that, maybe they went tapping Oh, it didn't phone. even occur to me that that's what that means. Yeah, tap. It's the tap and the click. Okay, so in, in Magic the Gathering, tapping is an actual like thing you do to the yeah, cards. Yeah. Uh -huh, right? yeah, it's they, like activating the card is a tap. Yeah, yeah. So this was more like literally like click the card because they didn't want to do like click the card or like touch the card. Rub the card to see the caress yeah, like, the card gently. Whisper something in its ear to see the top. Yeah, so I I definitely though mechanics alone. I think the card's gonna be great at a one cost, but mechanics alone has me excited for the future, Alex. Yeah, no kidding. I think it's really awesome. Like it's kind of like the scry effect, the ability to kind of look at your cards, look at your cards, your deck. The interaction with the deck is something that like is kind of rare in Marvel Snap. We have the Lockjaw, obviously. Like and, uh, maybe it's not as rare as I thought. We have Thanos that kind of does it. Lockjaw does it. Never mind. I take it back. But I think Howard the Duck is really cool, and it makes me really excited. But like, man, I, it just it opens up so many possibilities. I, I just like it. It does. And if you go, if we again, my guys, my Iron Lad, She Hulk thing, terrible take. But like Hella, right? You do you put him in a discard deck. You have Howard the Duck. You could start peeking, and you could just do a Hella early, like without having to risk things. And it's only four costs. Zabu, it's a three cost. So you could do a six card effect for three costs. There's a lot of cool things to come with Iron Lad as well. We kind of breezed past him, but just wanted to highlight that as well as Howard the Duck. Now we're not done yet because we do have our next card, Alex, and it is Nebula. Now the stats are wrong here. It's a four three. Is it correct? It's not a one one. I forgot what the stats are now. I think it's a four three. They haven't updated it all the way, but it is each turn your opponent doesn't play a card here plus two power, except the turn you play this. So each turn your opponent doesn't play a card here plus two power. Finally, we have a way. Now, I will say this, Alex. I actually got to see the data mine of Nebula before this, and I actually liked it better, and I'll explain it in a second. But we have a way, just like the, the non-ability cards getting a way to get more play. Guardians of the Galaxy finally have more use. I love the idea. What about you? I do. I really like this. I really like this. I really like that interaction where like you can try to like bait or force opponents to play into a specific location. And if they don't do it, then they get punished for it. That's really cool because I think it gives agency to the opponent while also giving you a very interesting interaction yourself. I like the card and uh, I'd be interested in hearing what the, the prior version of it was because, you know, I, I don't kind of dive too much into the data mines. You know, funny you ask. I actually have the old picture of it, Alex. And uh, let me show you here. So it used to be on reveal. If your opponent played a card here times two power and put it back in your hand. So you would almost like, it was like a Guardian of the Galaxy. You would throw it out there. It was a 1-1. One, one, and then you could bring it back. Now you couldn't do this on the last turn of the game because it'd be super punishing or you could and just have to be very careful. And I liked that, right? You had this like Deadpool that was building and building and building. And then you had to be careful when you leave her on the board or not. So this was the original text. They probably will introduce this with another card. I think it's a cool... Uh, mechanic and my guess is it was too damn strong alex uh, right uh, it maybe it was just too strong overall not punishing enough uh, what do you think it seems like it would have been wildly inconsistent whereas the new version is much more consistent i think this is more fun but i think the other one's probably a more balanced card <laughs> i think it's probably easier to play around you know I, I, yeah i just want more one ones i guess or ones yeah. uh, the cost and that had me excited but yes it's definitely much easier uh, to play around now, we did get two more cards, and uh, we, we, we don't know what they do. We have Spider-Man 2099. It's a 0-0, zero, zero, and that's not going to probably ring true. And Spider-Ham actually made it into the game, too. Kind of crazy. Both these, we don't know. We don't know the stats. We know nothing about them, but they have been data mined, Alex. So exciting stuff.
Yeah, for me, I really it comes back to High Evolutionary and Nebula. Those are the two yeah. that really stand out for me. Obviously, now we don't have a huge selection of new cards. Obviously, right? The other ones are cool too. But for me, High Evolutionary, like it's a it's a meta defining, archetype defining card. I take that back. We don't know if it's meta defining. We know it's going to be archetype defining. Is what I meant to say. Like this is one of those cards that's like Mister Negative. It's Thanos. It's Galactus. Like this makes a new style deck. Is it yeah. going to be a big bad? I think it could be. He could be Perna. Pool five, but I also think it's one of those like you don't regret buying it. It's going to be worth the six K tokens, right? Like it's it's the Zabu before the Z it's anything that can work across multiple things and bring things up all together. Very good stuff. Now before we're done though with the subject, I want to bring up one more card, Alex, and that's going to be next season passes card Hit Monkey, Alex, and I think this is the reason of the Quinjet nerf. Now those that don't know, he's a two zero on reveal, gain plus two power for each other card you played this turn. So. That's why Quinjet got nerfed. It's this guy right here, and this is going to be the best season pass card we've had since Zabu, in my opinion. Really? You think it's going to be that good? I think it's going to be good, but I think that Zabu and like even Silver Surfer to some extent like really shattered the meta. You think that's going to have this kind of impact? The, the, the best since. So better than Modok, better than Nimrod, and more playable in there. I think two costs are desperately needing some challengers in that cost range, and this is... This is very good. Honor Field gained plus two power for each other card you played this turn. I mean, think about how many different decks that synergizes with and how many different ways you can slot them in there for only two costs on a Sarah Miracle deck. Bonkers. Bonkers turn six. Insane turn six. So I, I do think he's going to make a big impact. You're right. And by the way, you'd be a great lawyer because your qualifying language usage is perfect. <laughs> but I will say that like, yeah, Hitmonkey is going to be a, a damn good card. It's great. And uh, again, like we talk about how like twos can creep up in power. Like the other week we we're talking about Morbish. You're like, that'll be a 212. I'm like, bro, like it's a 212. Like let's kind of pay it respect. East Bounce is already sailing up in, in, the, in the charts as one of the better decks in Snap. There's some great builds out there. Hitmonkey is going to make Bounce even better. Kitty coming yeah. to the game is going to work. I... Yeah, it's going to be interesting how this kind of all goes together. Falcon all of a sudden becomes maybe a bit more playable and pulling the one cost and putting them back out. I don't know. Big hit monkey, though, is the type of season pass cards that bring hype comparable to Nimrod and Modok. Even though people don't know hit monkey, super fun right off the bat. That's all you need to know. It's John Wick in a monkey suit. It, it is a pretty interesting card, I'll tell you. But uh, you're right in identifying that bounce is actually kind of making a resurgence right now. And to have this card come out in the next season pass... It's going to be interesting, Cozy. I think we're going to have a lot of action, a lot of monkeys bouncing around. Yes, absolutely, man. But Alex, let's move to the roadmap, man. And gosh, man, there's so much to break down here. Let me go ahead and blow it up so that everyone can see it. And audio listeners, we will read the majority of it out. Let's start with the coming soon because that's what's going to be coming soon, Alex. <laughs> These are stuff that's already confirmed and ready to go. And we have the new competitive mode, Conquest. And we should just stop there. Let's just let's talk Conquest. For a hot minute, Alex, tell me, what are your initial impressions on Conquest as a whole? I'm actually super excited about Conquest, and I think it's a really interesting take on what battle mode could be. I think a lot of people are probably just expecting like battle mode matchmaking ranked and just straight up, that's what it is. But this concept of having like this, you got to win three to move on to the next uh, tier is kind of interesting, although possibly super tilting when you lose your third game over and over and over again. It's not really what I expected, and I guess playtesting is going to be the ultimate deciding factor on whether or not it's uh, it's fun or not, because it sounds competitive, which sounds cool. I think using battle mode in that manner is very interesting, but like I'm not quite sure how that tiered system is going to work. Yeah, I think that they could have just done a draft mode and, and hit everything perfectly, because then you don't have to worry about the meta. It's way more fun. If you're 
weird freaking deck didn't win three games. You're like, all right, it kind of it wasn't the best draft or whatever. I do understand that. I will say this because doing the tournaments here and, and having best of one, there is times where Snap just comes down to RNG, right? I do feel like battle mode does get rid of that a good amount, not all the way, but for instance, like I retreated immediately on a game where I got snapped and I just gave up a cube because why go through with that game, right? Because he had better RNG to start. I had a terrible opening hand. I already knew it. And so at least there's a little bit of give there. It's not one game. It's multiple, but yeah, dude, it's going to feel terrible. I would rather them have five games you have to win with one loss and just have that little bit of padding to me, it would feel like a lot better. And, and audio listeners, we could go into the entire thing. There is a blog that we will go ahead and put in the description. You can go check out videos. I think we both have talking about the mode. But honestly, dude, the fact that there's rewards, there's custom variants, there's something more than the latter, sign me up. Absolutely. But I was under the impression that the way it worked was that you'd have to win three individual battles, not three individual like matches. So like the battles would be like the whole 10 points of health type thing. Yeah, that probably makes so, like, sense. Yeah, that's probably what Yeah, it is. I think I think like that's but again, like we don't really know. Like it wasn't really communicated that clearly. Yeah, it would be like I'm an hour. It's like it would be like an hour yeah, if it like, wasn't the other way. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? That's what I yeah, exactly. Like if you're talking about like full battles with 10 HP, those can last up to almost half hour, 20 minutes, right? So yeah. if you're expected to win three of those in a row and then like you lose after 45 minutes of playing and you just don't get any progression then it could be super frustrating right so i guess again playtesting is going to call it but they, they said they were playing it in their office that they're card game players they've made an amazing game already but i will say that uh the the concept of a complete draft mode would be the most enticing however it's probably much more development intensive they already have the battle mode built right yep. so this is probably something they can iterate on faster and easier yep 100 percent. we're gonna have to see it comes in june is what they expect and uh, that, that'll feel right as long as we have a good amount of stuff in between there to have things keep us occupied and entertained, right? But luckily, the game is uh, fun enough to already do that on its own. Next up, we do have in the coming soon section, and we're, we're not going to break down everything that's in here, but they have card acquisition improvements. So uh, obviously, we are already seeing that in a sense. We'll talk about that as a later subject. We have the token shop revamp, ranked mode improvements, and infinite rank revamp so rank mode and infinite rank really will be the ones that we dive into for a quick second i think alex they are changing infinite versus infinite only and once you get there you cannot dive down you cannot get out of that right so for instance if me and you we we have a chance to play each other but now i don't have to play i, I get messages from people like hey played you i'm rank 50 or 60 i'm like what how did that happen right what do you think I think that's it's a necessary change. It had to happen because like there was so much frustration about the way ranking worked, right? There were people exploiting it from like getting to infinite and then tanking their MMR, playing bots to to you know infinite again and stuff like that. Like that had to be corrected. Okay. And it, it has been corrected. And the other side to that was like it was super frustrating for players that are like in rank 70, you know, with a thousand collection score getting hit by Thanos list. Like it's super frustrating for them too. So if you make the leveling and ranking experience more engaging, more fair, or at least appear more fair, <laughs> like let's be honest with you, then the person's going to have more agency on that climb and feel more like, hey, I'm stuck at rank 75, but I'm playing rank 75 and rank 90, 80, whatever players, right? The matchmaking is more fair. It's frustrating when you're at 75 and you're getting spanked by guys with infinite card backs playing Shuri lists. They have nothing to lose. They have nothing to lose, yeah. because, especially like, oh my, like 99, 98, and you're going against these infinite players and they don't care. They're just, they're going crazy. Uh, and, and I think the, the thing is, is it's going to bring more replayability 
to the ladder because for me, I mean, I content create, but when you're infinite, you're like, all right, cool. It's time to whip out the Guardians of the Galaxy decks, right? Like, or whatever. Now you can climb skill ratings. You can you can have that going for it. I also think that's where battle mode or, or conquest is going to do well because there's something you can keep on obtaining. And uh, it's important to give people, you know, something to climb to. But yeah, as far as the matchmaking thing, I, the, definitely needed. Conquest doesn't have bots either. That's going to be, that's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Huge. It Alex. is huge. Yeah, because I mean, bots were one of those things that like felt like a necessary evil for this game for the most part. And, uh, but the, the use of bots has been a little strange. Like they actually added the retreat functionality to the bots lately, which feels so bad. Like we know the bots are clairvoyant. We know they know what we're playing. They cheat nonstop. I had a bot the other day. It was like Maximus on Atlantis. Okay. And then what happened was I'm like, I'm going to Shang-Chi it. I'm just going to get rid of it. I'm just going to get rid of it. I had no other play. I go Shang-Chi. It played a rock into yeah. Atlantis and nothing else. Just the rock. To just drop it to dodge my Shang-Chi, I almost punched my monitor cozy because it's like, it's obvious the bots are clairvoyant and they know what we're going to do and they respond like very well to our actions. It's almost unfair that they're retreating, but at the same time, obviously the bots are being used to be farmed for cube. So there was far uh, kind of cube inflation. Can't really complain. They added the five kind of uh, the 50 cube bonus to the plateaus. So like they're doing what they can, but these bots, man, I'm glad it's not in conquest. Cause quite frankly, that'd have been such a piss off. Yeah. They, they are very, very annoying. And that's why like Patriot does so well. Cause they can't calculate it or whatever. And it's so interesting. You have to play like specific decks to throw them off. And I have to say the retreat thing sucks. Dude. I cannot stand when I play something that I'm like, all right, you know, GG, you know, the uh, typical, uh, chip, typical Brad Chad would, would fall for this. But the bot's like, I'm out. And it's not even, they don't even, they don't hide it. It's so obvious. You play the card in their turn, gone. It's, it, it, they are bouncing, right? So yeah, that's a whole nother subject. We'll probably talk about bots in a future, uh, future podcast here. Alex, our next feature, and this is now as we dip into more of the in-development section. So we'll see all this stuff come soon. The in-development is, you know, they're, they're doing well with it. They're starting to really put some effort towards releasing this stuff, but it could change. And again, there's some head scratchers in here, but I, I let's break it all down. We have the PC widescreen UI. This has not moved to coming soon. A lot of people are questioning this. My opinion, super simple. They want to make it better. It's not where they think it should be, but they should prioritize this heavily. Uh, we have smart decks, which again, I, I honestly just don't love it. I'll be as far as just where resources are going, uh, but we do have that. We have avatars, titles by deck, which I think is you know nice. Uh, personalized shop is uh, you know okay, and global match making, which I'll be honest, I was under the impression that could work, but I think that was only for battle mode. And in general, I was actually under the impression that already was happening, but maybe I was wrong there. It's where I play. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe Alex. Uh, general thoughts here in development. What What is the one thing you want to call out? So first of all, I think you're right. Like seeing smart decks, like, I think makes a lot of uh, sense, especially for the new player experience. But like when you look at where resources will be thrown, like I see test deck mode and in concept, I'm like, come on, man. Like yes, <laughs> right? put more resources in that, not the smart decks. But the thing that like really shatters my heart is that the PC UI didn't move to coming soon. Like, it makes me so sad. How many times have we talked about it? Like, I feel like it was like our second podcast ever. Where we're like, hey, Alex, what are you most excited about? I'm like, yeah. PC UI, bring me that widescreen. Because I mean, like, let's be honest with you. Like, Hearthstone does it amazing. They do yeah. a great job with it. And I think they're, I think this team's going to knock it out of the park. And there's yeah. so much you can do with the environments, season pass oh, yeah. unlocks, new boards. Oh my, it's just, it's, it's like, it, it's just an untapped, beautiful thing that I know they're working on. Obviously, they're working on it, but like, I'm impatient, damn it. I'm they're impatient, gonna, cozy. It'll grow the player base significantly as well. I think the thing that's puzzling, and they haven't dipped into this, 
But the it, we, in our coming soon, right? Hey guys, it's coming in June. Great. Okay. I think that was in there because they finalized it, right? They know what they're doing with that product, but the way that they word it is interesting because then I'm like, all right, if that's coming in June, man, that's a and June's a is a minute away, right? When is this stuff coming, right? But then it does come earlier. We've seen stuff hop from the far right all the way to the far left. So I, I don't know if we read into that too much, but all I know is I'll be I will I will have a section on this podcast if the next roadmap has it still in development. I they, they've got to prioritize it. I know there's a survey that went out. The only thing that beat it on my end was 2v2 because that just sounded way too spicy on the survey. Everything else, widescreen UI. I hope, I hope we really do see that, uh, Alex, on, on, on my end here. So when we start to talk about in concept, what we're looking at here is a couple major things that I think will have an immense impact on the game long term. We're talking about guild and social systems cozy, which I think is an incredible thing that like we'd like to see come maybe sooner, but I can also see why it'd be like there's other greater priorities. So I totally agree with this here. Uh, we also have PC controller support. That's been on there for a while and kind of brings some light to ideas of like, could this be on PS4? Could it PS5? Sorry, could it be on Xbox? Switch? You know, there's a lot of questions around that as well. Then you have the seasonal audio, mythical variants, we have collectible emotes and card emojis, and then we have the test deck mode. Now, Cozy, for me, right in that list, there are two that really stand out to me. Like, this really hop out and say, please do this first. It's the test deck mode, and it's the mythic variants, just because, listen, when I first started playing Marvel Snap, I was like, you know what, variants are cool, but am I really going to spend 12 Canadian dollars on, you know, a PNG of a card that looks cool? And I mean, the base art is pretty damn awesome, for the most part. Yeah, right. And you know what, Cozy? I spent $12 a lot, a lot. It's like one of my over favorite over things again. about the game. Buying art, I can't stop. <laughs> I know, it's so fun, man. It's like, it's fun. And that's like, okay, you know, here comes the comments like, they're tapping into us. This is how it, this is the, we're yeah. just falling apart of the Paid system. actors. Well, damn it, sign me up. I am, it's, it is, it is a lot of fun. It almost like awakens my love for cards again too. Like I won't play a card and I'm like, man, this goose variant is sick. I'm going to play some more goose, right? A hundred percent agree. I, I think the seasonal audio, oh Please give me more audio. Give me new songs. I, you know, I don't need jingle bells on Christmas time. That's how I read it. But I want like, you know, uh, during the seasons, the Marvel Snap seasons, bring new music. Oh, that would be so cool. But test deck mode. I think everyone has different opinions here. And the majority, I don't know. What do you think? I would love to see a test deck mode. I don't know. Like I get it at the same time, but like, just let me queue against the bot. Like, why not? Is that really that big a deal? Like we're, I'm queuing against bots and ranked anyway. Or just let me queue them into a test mode where I don't infu inflate uh, the cube system. Here's the thing about it, because people are mad about it if they want an unranked mode. But I think they're correct. I'm gonna be honest in what they said. Because here's the thing, people just That's like valid. to win. People like to win. You're gonna have your stands go in there and just play Thanos, because why doesn't he want to? Why he just wants to win? It doesn't matter if it's for cubes or not, right? So. I don't think uh, unranked sounds great, but you're not going to just run into a bunch of, you know, fun decks. It's going to probably still be those people in there. Uh, and they don't want to, my opinion is they probably don't want to dilute the ladder and dilute conquest. That's already going to be another thing. The idea of just like, I love it. The idea of going to my Darkhawk deck and then just being like, all right, let's see how the first card draws look for five matches and just bam, 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 check it out and leave and go to the ladder. Love the idea. Now, with regards to Mythic Variants, Cozy, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What do you think that actually means? Because we keep, we've talked about it in the past, yep. but like my assumption is that it's kind of like a MOBA 
item where like, you know, you get a new effect when the card is played or, you know, it has some sort of like the effect of Magneto, which you just put on the screen. When he pulls them over, like the effect is glowing red and it's crazier and yes. like the visual effect is different that's, and that's what you're paying for. That's what I've read it as is that it's, you can throw any cool adjective in, in front of it, but if it's just opinionated art that's better, they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't work. I think what they want to do with it is what you just said, really bring more of a customized uh, experience or whatever to that variant. And I think that's what's going to happen. We're going to see some visual VFX. Look at just Thanos alone, man. If we got, if you bought the, that variant and it gave you all of a sudden, yeah, Magneto, like really like rising up anything that's metal on the board. I don't know, whatever, right? Like there's just some really cool stuff they can do with these. And, and I don't think it's going to just be like, again, opinionated art that they class as better. Perfect example, the new Cable Ultimate variant is cool. Definitely liked it. It was in my shop. It's brand new. Uh, but I'm like, yeah, dude, I, I kind of like his base art better. And if it's not that art, I kind of like his main art or his pixel or even this is kind of cool. So I want to see it matter uh, UI-wise, 100%. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. And uh, I know we're bouncing all over the place. When you talk about seasonal audio, I kind of realized that like the audio in Marvel Snap is a strong point and a weak point. I think the music is kind of a little repetitive. It's getting repetitive. I used to love it, but the actual card sound effects and the way they land on the board and the pulls and the VFX, I think they're amazing. I think Perfect. it's fantastic. Perfect. But like, when you think about like iconic music, like just this past week, I've started rewatching the, the X-Men animated series from like the 90s because I just want to watch it. I was like, I just want to watch it. It's, it. The animation's pretty rough, honestly, but I'm not there for the animation. I'm there for the storytelling, Cozy. And uh, how iconic is that X-Men theme song? Yeah, so here's the thing. I love all of this, and this is where I'm a little bit worried about it because, yeah, dude, X-Men theme song, top top five of all time of like almost any yeah. intro, right? It just It's already in my head now. This is what I'm worried about. I, I did do some work with Disney before I came in and have done Marvel Snap, and I talked with teams there that license a product, and this is getting deep, but it, it's important. They, to pay, they wanted to do one Disney character's voice line on their game, right? The, the, even though they own the license, you don't just get free reign of everything that falls under that, they have to pay millions of dollars to get the rights for X line. And so I'm a little worried that we won't see exactly that. I think it's still going to be original composed music. I I don't know if it'll be stuff from our childhood. I don't know. Maybe maybe it will. And I sign me up. But that's why you also don't have, you know, uh, the MCU thing was already complicated. Now they did get the rights to MCU variants, it looks like. But I, I am a little worried about the licensing. But if, hell, dude, if they get it, uh, sign me up because the game makes millions. So why not? You know, I was going to say, like, this game is absolutely knocking it out of the park. This game is like making Marvel fans. It's made me a Marvel fan. Yep. Give them the tools they need to convert more Marvel fans. Exactly. They don't need to spend millions of dollars on license. They're bringing you millions of dollars. Who? What suit do I have to talk to to get this changed? Yeah, exactly. It, it might be different <laughs> per game and uh, per license. There's probably a billion things that I don't know about. If people want to know truly why these games do have to uh, charge money is because Apple and Google takes 50%. Then you have the licensing you pay to the, the to the Marvel and whatever it's going to be, right? The, the cut they get back is not as big as people do think. And so I am a, well, yeah, throw them a bone. You know what Marvel Snap has done for Marvel? Give them the damn X-Men theme song. Like, come on now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, incredible. I actually sat in a panel at Comic-Con from the maker of the animated series and all the voice actors. One of my favorite panels I've ever been to. They're re-releasing it. It's going to be so good. You don't They're re-releasing it? I didn't know that. Oh I'm my. watching the original. X-Men 97, my man. Go look it up. They, have, they are re-releasing it. It'll be out in about a year from now. It is going to be sick. 
Re- so uh, I should just wait, or should I watch the original? No, story? they're not re-releasing like one. They're not going to redo the episodes. They're going to the plot though is going to move forward in the animation in the same animation. Oh, and, no way! Oh, dude, and you're going to learn so much about Mister. Sin- There's a lot of Marvel Snap in there. It is. It is a gym. It, it can be tough to watch at times, but I love it because it's nostalgic for me. Yeah, it's really nostalgic. But yeah, very cool, and it's cool to see the characters and like Rogue. I don't know. I, you know, obviously I knew she was Southern, but I never like put it to you, and she's like. Boing, it is very, very, very different than you envision characters. So anyway, uh, that's my small rant there. Let's move on to the, the last subject, shall we, Alex? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that is worth noting here is that the token shop has been one of those things that players have been talking about nonstop. It was something that was incorporated into the game to improve the card acquisition for players. But let's be honest, Cozy. When we were in beta, we didn't have the token shop. It took us way longer to access cards, right? We did not have the opportunity to isolate specific cards to buy. And I think the token shop was a good step in the direction. We used to get boosters, guys. We used to get boosters instead of the tokens. That was way worse. The token shop as a whole is a massive improvement. But there's room to improve more. And so that's what we're talking about today. So the token shop has been overhauled. Ironically, neither of us have the interface that shows the overhaul because we're pool three complete. But pool three players, you get a free card a month, right? That actually cycles every eight hours. So you don't have to like just accept the Mbaku it offers you <laughs> off the start. I actually saw someone tweet me they're like, hey Alex, look what I got I for got that free. Too, they yeah. offered me Orca. I'm like, you could have just skipped it. And they're like, no, I chose this. <laughs> I chose this life. Like enjoy your, enjoy that miserable uh, couple of weeks. I'm a, yeah, I'm going to be not sexy here and just say that I'm not going to form too much of an opinion until I see it play out a bit more. What I'm not a fan of is that they gave us the ability to do so and then they took it away. That's never going to go over well because people like based a lot of knowledge, a lot of like planning ahead, a lot of those kind of things around that. However, a free card is also cool. And if this does truly fix the new card acquisition Awesome. And it brings more importance to collector caches. I want to say I'm, I, I, I don't like it at all, but I also want to just see it flush out. I agree. I'm definitely cautiously optimistic because I, we're going to have to see multiple iterations here, right? Like we've already seen the original token shop and they're trying to improve it, right? They wouldn't try to take a step back. I don't think they would anyway. I think they realize that card acquisition is not something that you could like pull back on to like profit more. You can't do that. You're going to lose your fan base. You're going to lose your player base. Card acquisition is too much of a hot topic already that you have to get it right. So perhaps they have more plans. It's still on the roadmap. It's still on the roadmap, Cozy. Like they would have said, hey, we did it. It's released. We fixed card acquisition, but they know they haven't, right? So I kind of want to have faith. Yeah, oh, and, and maybe it does play out. Maybe it's not as bad and, and once people start unlocking the cards they want. Because, again, I have different views than everybody because I played in beta. For me, what kept Marvel Snap, have, come, me coming back every day, was I liked that I would get a couple cards on my collector caches and I would, like, figure out the decks. Like, I am as competitive as they come, but I didn't need to play the best deck. I wanted to play the best deck I could make, and I enjoyed that a lot. If it brought that, and this is a controversial subject, like everyone feels different. That's just how I felt about the game. But like I would get Magneto and it would get me, I was like, yes, I have Magneto. I could play this. I, I don't know, but I, I do think it's cool to bring that kind of joy back. But you know, you took away something that was working. So it is going to be, regardless, people will be mad because of that. So we'll have to see. Uh, we're definitely going to have to see. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, Time will tell. I'm sure they're going to get more feedback, but like the card acquisition is such an essential part of this game. And you kind of brought me back in time with beta. And like, I was thinking about what made me really love Marvel Snap. What made me really fall in love with it? And I think it was because the net decking didn't exist. I think it was because there was pure joy in me unlocking Wong and having it at like 
900 collection level and knowing that my opponent probably didn't. And this was an advantage I had. And then like, as you try to like, we've kind of had this obsession, like even me, right? Like I do this decks of the week series. Like we talk about best decks and our, all these things we focus on. And, but I think at its core, Marvel snap was really beautiful when no one had the perfect deck and unlocking that Magneto was super exciting yeah. and you got to experiment with it. Not scared that some guy is just going to drop Shuri down your throat and pound you with a red skull over and over again. And, and then they would give you the right tools so you didn't have to worry. Like, you had Cosmos still. You still had, like, the essential tech to take care of it. You know, maybe Arrow should have been in pool two at the time or whatever, but that's what was beauty about it. And I'm telling you, like, if people want to know why I got into Consecration for this game, it was that I would call up my brother and be like, hey, what cars did you get today? Oh, I, oh, I don't have... What does that one do? Oh, I got uh, Crossbones. Is he any good? Oh, no, he sucks. Oh, damn. Right? Like, that to me was what was so... It kept me coming back. It was so exciting. If they do more game modes, I think that can come back more. Right now, it's only ladder, infinite, infinite deck, infinite deck. That's what people, it's just, it's a different mindset of the game right now. But I, that's why I have to see. I have to see how this flushes out before I give my, uh, you know, main opinion. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. Do you think that you would delay the draft based mode? because it undercuts the card acquisition. Because if you don't need to acquire cards, then why do you interact with the collection system? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, have you thought of that before? I have a like, it kind of just struck me. If it was like Hearthstone, where you bet on yourself and you pay gold to enter it, right? And then you do the tournament, that could limit it because then people can't just endlessly play cards they don't have. You, could, you would set a threshold there, and then you would, in turn, if you did good, you got all those rewards back and more, right? Like, that was kind of the whole thing. I don't even want to begin that because people are going to get mad, but it is what it is. Like if they did that, it could work. But yeah, if it was free and they just draft it and they keep going in until they got their, you know, play with Thanos. But then you could also test it a little bit. You could test some cards. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it's cool because it allows you to see the other cards out there and, and see how it works. I do think they need to, this is, they have to put pool series in here. It's silly they don't. It like, I forgot actually the other day that people were like, Wait a second. What cards are in pool three? What cards are in pool two? It can get confusing, man. And even me, I'm like, what was in pool two again? They need to bring that back, in my opinion, to help people or just things to help them track their collection that's not third party. Uh, we're going to have to see, though. We're going to have to see. Yeah, it's an interesting discussion. But ultimately, again, we're hoping that Marvel Snap takes steps in the, the right direction. And this token shop overhaul... It's time will tell, right? But I actually do have faith in the development team. I think they are trying to make the best choices they can, but I'm really interested to see what the next iteration is because clearly card acquisition is still a sore subject for a lot of people. And we want people to actually enjoy playing this game, getting the cards, because building a collection in this game is so fun. Like you literally just pulled up an Incified Black Kirby Crackle Magneto, and that's beautiful. Like right. I love to see that, and that's collecting. Yep. That's collect. I don't have that. I bet you very few people in the audience have anything close to that. That is such an enjoyable thing about this game, and I feel like it falls off to the wayside because everyone's so frustrated with just not being able to get anything ever. Yeah, and, and like one last thing here is like we got. <laughs> it kind of did frustrate me, honestly, if I can be totally frankly honest, is that how come we're only getting like seven percent more tokens or something? Like it really oh. felt inconsequential. Oh, like I know, felt like we were gonna get more. I didn't want to do the "woe is me" on my update video because I know it's like the one percent, and I didn't want to be. It's yeah. like it's like when the billionaires get taxed a little bit more. It's like and they say <laughs> anything, and you're like, "Shut up!" So like, I didn't want to be like, "Hey, this doesn't feel fair for people that have been playing this game a while," but it doesn't. Like it was like such yeah. a weird. I, I'm like, oh gee, golly gee, Willikers! I have plenty of tokens at this point. I, I do have a good amount of tokens, but like, it just I don't know. I, I don't know that they definitely miss. The mark, I think, as far as uh, the players that are pool three complete, because it is 
And I didn't even get like the message, right? Like I was like, oh, do I have all the ones that dropped down? Like, oh, I don't know. Let me just check the token shop where I don't have the thing. I didn't even know it launched. I'll be honest. I actually didn't even know it was available until I saw screenshots of the new shop. And for me to cover it, I had to actually go and dig for that, right? But yeah, dude, I... I I do agree it's frustrating, but like, I don't know. What was me, I guess. Yeah, no kidding. But uh, ultimately, Cozy, I think that Marvel Snap is going in the right direction. This is a game that we love to play. And at the end of the day, the gameplay is phenomenal. Well, guys, there is our subject set. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed having a guest. If you did, let us know down below and also tell us who else you want us to have on the Snapchat. We'd be more than welcome to it. Be sure to leave a review. It helps us out a ton. And just a thank you for listening. And thank you guys for coming by on a weekly basis. Alex, I want to thank you for coming by again. And man, another great week, huh? I'm always looking forward to it. You guys have a great one. Until the next one, happy snapping.